When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You were, you were an Australian survivor, you were making moves, you were manipulative, like, mm-hmm. or at least that's how you were portrayed. Mm-hmm. And you came back and people, for your 15 minutes of survivor fame, hated you. Some people did, yes. Okay. Safe to yeah. say the whole country hated you. <laughs> Safe to say nobody loved you anymore. <laughs> your own parents yes. turned against you. <laughs> Welcome to Podcast 31. We have a guest today. Hello, everybody. Are you our first in-studio guest? Yes. By in-studio in Ben's house? This is our friend, Benji. Benji. Our friendy. I heard I'm the second <laughs> guest, actually. You well, might be the first to make it to air. Let's not talk about <laughs> <laughs> it. Where we haven't first destroyed the files. By technicality, the yep. first. So Benji, mm-hmm. for those of you who don't know Benji, which is probably all Everyone. of you. Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Benji and uh, Ben and I have been friends for, what, five, six years? Five Should years, it? I think. Lived together in New York. Benji left school behind to join us in Brazil. He started his own business while we started Charisma on Command. We've been friends for five years. He's in, in town from Australia. And, I mean, I know you wanted to talk about Survivor, right? Yeah. And he's a okay, reality TV oh, here we star. <laughs> yeah. Australian celebrity. So Who we, would have thought when you dropped out of college to join a couple knuckleheads? That I would make it. Fame and fortune. I would do it on my own. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we've mentioned you several times on the podcast yeah. about my friend who was on reality TV. On reality and everything TV. He tells us. Did you have anything particular you wanted to start with about reality no, TV? No, nothing to start with. Well, I have one because you told me to read your book, The, what is it, Courage to... To be disliked. I started reading it. Did you? What do you like about when? it? I not, told you I that like eight hours ago. I read last night, man. I read last night. I don't love it. What do you like about it? You don't like it? I did not, not find it I didn't so love it either. I got two takeaways from it. Mm-hmm. I got recommended by Zach Oberon, mm-hmm. and um, I was in a airport with my girlfriend going home, and she had a book, and my phone was on low battery, so I went to the bookshop to get a book, saw the one that Zach recommended, I was like, I'll, I'll pick it up. I don't think I have like an inherent need to read that, like the courage to be disliked. I honestly don't care if I'm mm-hmm. disliked, um, but I thought it'd be good to read it, and we've been talking a little bit about it. It... It's a really weird setup book. So it's a philosopher and a student who goes to the philosopher, and it's really cliche because the the <laughs> student like coaxes like the things out of the philosopher, and he's like, "What do you mean? That's offensive that you said that." He's like, "No, listen, this is what it is." But um, I really liked the cause and effect. So, how much did you read? I read probably the first twenty percent. Okay, so, so you, it talks about cause and effect. Cause and effect. The versus, Freudian, yeah, versus Freudian Adlerian. versus Adlerian. Yes. Yeah. So I really enjoy. Before you talk, you're probably gonna want to move that mic a lot closer to you. You're fine. In my mouth. It's it's like this far away from you. Like it? 
Yeah, do it. But go ahead. Freudian versus Adlerian. I hated that part. You didn't like that? Yeah, go for it. So I, I actually thought you might not because it's, <laughs> it is very Tony Robbins. Yeah. It is the Freudian is cause happened and therefore you are like this. Mm-hmm. You had childhood trauma and therefore you can't leave the house. Where Adlerian is you can't leave the house because it's serving you in some way. You can't leave the house because you get a lot of attention from your parents. And therefore, if you left the house, you would be less looked after by your parents. And so you generate anxiety in order to not leave the house. In order to not leave the house. It's an excuse or mm-hmm. a, a justification for your behavior. And it can be positive or negative. Yeah. And so maybe maybe they were just going for a like uh, a unique selling proposition with this book. But the way they characterize Freudian... Uh, analysis is i think ridiculous like yeah. like trauma doesn't exist like trauma doesn't happen if you can't you know leave your house is the example they give it's because you are purposefully or subconsciously in some cases generating the emotion of anxiety so mm-hmm. that you can't do this mm-hmm. and you are completely free in the moment to choose any sort of thing that you want and yes. while i while i can subscribe to that in part it seemed to go so far as it says you know the past does not exist which seems crazy yes i there are a lot of parts of this books i don't like uh, i 100 <laughs> agree with that well, can't but i like to pick and choose the things that i help okay aren't both and true though you, yeah that's yes. kind that, of where like I trauma occurs yes. so let's say you're like you're a sexual assault victim right yes. you might develop an eating disorder because it protects you from future sexual assault yes. so it does serve you in yes. a weird way but also is totally caused by the trauma yes and but where i like and i'm curious on your thoughts of it is it's much more helpful to think of it as this is a justification to not take responsibility and, and or not even responsibility, but responsibility to change it and actually do something about it. If you're stuck in, I'm like this because this happened, then you're stuck. There's no action steps. It's already happened. Mm-hmm. When you're like, I'm doing this to get a result and I can change this and get a different result. That's what I liked about it. Yeah. So I, I'm it. First off, it, it uh, demonizes what they call Freudian psychology, which mm-hmm. I don't think is an accurate representation of Freudian psychology, as being deterministic. I'm a determinist, so like mm-hmm. I didn't find that upsetting at all. But to your question of uh, what, what is the best, most empowering way yes. to approach things, I totally see the value of that. But I think if one overlooks trauma and one uses one's conscious mind to try to influence future decisions, you're ignoring 90% of what makes you tick. And the reason that I like dealing with trauma and addressing trauma and treating the past as something that needs to be addressed and looked at, not Mm -hmm. something fake, is because that's where you, I think, start to address the subconscious mind Mm -hmm. and the subconscious patterns that have made you who you are. Versus treating this moment as, I can do anything right now if I put my mind to it, Mm -hmm. Uh, it ignores the the neurochemistry that you've developed over all of this life that is going to make it much easier to fall into one pattern mm-hmm. versus another uh and get overridden any time that your conscious brain doesn't com- you know completely steer you in one direction versus another would, is this making sense for you are you following the this sort yeah, of yeah. argument can you keep up no <laughs> sorry i was just thinking about sports and beer you know uh, I couldn't understand your big words <laughs> we'll explain it to you later i didn't know if we gave up enough background <laughs> um are you are you of the where is your thought in the sense of say i procrastinate a lot yeah and it's obviously comes from somewhere you know Mm -hmm. i'm a product of my environment do you think that in order to fix procrastination i need to know precisely where it comes from no no i think that and this is 
I, we probably agree. And the book yeah. was setting up a straw man bad guy yes. in order to knock it down and make their point, which okay. I, which is not necessary. But for some things, address them on the conscious level of, you know what, I don't need to dig into my past necessarily to find out why I procrastinate. Mm-hmm. But I think for deeper stuff, it actually does. It I know does. someone who is, I knew someone who's like brutally molested when they were five years old repeatedly mm-hmm. by uh, their stepdad. Mm-hmm. And they developed a lot of stuff from that, a lot of issues, physical issues, mental issues, and repressed memories. Mm-hmm. And by doing ayahuasca and seeing a therapist, they yep. started because they didn't know that yep. that had happened. Yep. And by seeing a therapist and doing ayahuasca, they uncovered that that was the cause, mm-hmm. which allowed them actually to address what was happening. Because right. instead, what was happening was their mind and their body was trying to protect them from that happening again. Yep. What was it doing? So one, she developed a lot of physical sicknesses because it kept oh, wow. her. It kept her. Other adults had to watch over her if she was in the hospital yep. or if she was sick. Yep. You know, then her mom can't ignore her, or leave her yep. alone with this person. And then two, weirdly enough, there is a bit of, and I don't really understand why. There's a bit of it. It screws with what you think love is and who you're attracted to. So then it's. Mm. You find yourself in all these other bad relationships that are abusive in different ways because yep. that's what you grow up with and yep. you're used to. Yep. But then when you can address that that was horrible and did happen and try to move through it and past it, you actually, in some sense, stop having to repeat the pattern. Right. Whereas I think if you just go pure NLP positive thought and you don't address the repressed memories or the mm-hmm. trauma, mm-hmm. you won't understand why you're, lo- like why you're making bad decisions because yep. I think the subconscious is stronger. Yep. So you're like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna be attracted to any more people that are bad for me. Yeah. And then you'll find yourself attracted to someone's bad for you. Yeah. You're like, well, this is, I don't know why this isn't working. Like every day I wake up and I think to myself, I'm not gonna do this. Right. But you keep making the same mistake until you address the subconscious. Right. So you'd say it's a, it's almost like a spectrum, and the extreme side you'd need to understand where it comes from, and the upper side you can probably just change your habits. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I think procrastinate. No, I don't know that many people become procrastinators because of horrific trauma. You know what I mean? So if you find that you struggle, unless you have a physical or bad ADD, mm-hmm. if you struggle to pay attention, I think you can just grow discipline or control your environment better, like James Clear says, right. to create a conducive environment for focus. Yep. But I think if you suffered brutal rape at the age of five, mm-hmm. probably useful to address that trauma <laughs> yeah. through therapy and yep. psychedelics and yeah, that kind of sense. stuff, rather sense. than just try to willpower your way. Yep. to being better. Yep. One thing real quick for podcast differences, active listening is not going to take us far in podcasts. So oh, yep, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yep. you'll, get, you'll get in trouble I for apologize. it. I apologize. It's right? all good. It's all good. It. Yeah. <laughs> As I've listened to it. No, this is, it's weird. Podcast conversations are very different than oh, real wow. life conversations. That's weird. I it's don't know if I can stop. I didn't even know I was doing it until I replayed it in my head. <laughs> yeah, 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 cool, 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 cool. No, all good. But even what we're doing right now is totally, it's fine and normal conversation, but regularly, especially with the three of us. Wow. We'll all talk at the <laughs> okay. good lesson number one. We'll all talk at the same time. That's a good point. And <laughs> we'll all talk yeah. at the same time. It and then sense. it gets yeah. <laughs> never mind. Next topic. <laughs> so I, I found something interesting. Oh wait, can can I ask a reality TV question? Yeah, yeah. Really? We we're not going off reality TV. Sure, we are. Are you used to giving the book? You do whatever you want. Are you talking about the book? This is, this is You're a star. star. No, listen. It's actually, I actually want to know this, not from the, not from the fame negativity stuff. For some reason, I still yeah. don't fully understand. You yeah. went to an island and starved yourself for two months. I did. Then yeah. you came back to society. But you had lived in society <laughs> for however many years, right? So I think there's a sense that we, you get a lot of unconscious habits, right? Yeah. Checking your phone or having your phone on yeah. you or whatever it might be. 
then you're on an island. Yeah. So you actually break all your addictions. You're forced to break all your addictions. Yes. Right. Yes. When you came back, oh, is that what's going on? <laughs> I telling them, it touches my lips. I know the signal now. I know the signal. <laughs> when you came back, mm. what did you what did you notice? Were the biggest things you didn't need that were a big part of your life before you left? You know what I'm saying? Well, what did what were the biggest things that I needed that I didn't know I needed? No, that you didn't need. What are the oh, things that you were doing every day? Like, for instance, yeah. I know you literally never check your phone now, which yeah. is shocking to me and hard yeah. to get in touch with you. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. And my, my family hate me for it because I can never, they go through my girlfriend to, to contact me. Yeah. So how, I guess, how did your behavior change from being on an island for two months with nothing? So being on the island made me, it's very cliche. It, it's exactly what you'd predict. It made me appreciate family. Mm-hmm. Um, why it made me appreciate family, I think was more surprising to me because obviously people are like, oh, the thing you need to appreciate the most is your family. And they're like, that's the family and friends and people who, who are, t- are close to you. And that's like the cliche end of every movie, give up the riches and go for the family. And what I didn't understand is I feel like if someone just explained it to me the right way, I would actually understand it. But having to go through it it made lot more logical sense in my brain. It wasn't like some big epiphany. Like oh, these are the reasons why that is true. And for me, it was it's basically sustainability, which is like a big change that I've made in everything that I do in life. Is basically you can put a lot of effort into something. This TV show is one thing that I put a lot of effort in. Probably six months of my life into this. I feel like I did really well on it. It was awesome, but it's life looks like this: straight up, straight down. And that's basically what fame is. Fame is like a treadmill. You go up, and if you want to stay up, you got to keep pedaling. Mm-hmm. Like, I just turned down the all-stars. Like, that would have kept me up on the treadmill, but I would have had to do it again and again and again. Family, it's up. You don't have to do anything. Like, there's no work that goes into it. There's no, there's nothing. There is work. You always have to be nice to your family. <laughs> Sometimes you don't, but it's, it's up no matter what. And if you put a little effort into your family, it pays off long-term, and then there for life. And these, this is basically what I took, the, one of the biggest things I took away, and I even have a girlfriend now, it's because you can put the same amount of effort into a lot of things across life and have the trajectory beat that's going to serve you for the rest of your life. Or, cool, you went on Instagram, you felt good, you feel bad in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was probably the biggest takeaway that I learned. What are the things, so you mentioned Instagram, you mentioned yep. that what are the things that fall into each category? So family is something that you feel like has longevity longevity friends friends you too. yeah we've known each other five years uh-huh. uh, specifically male friends because females seem to fall, to fall off quicker <laughs> i don't know what happens there <laughs> i don't think it's just me right guys <laughs> so you've um, got so you got friends, family family friends, business okay business is something that at least the, the way that i do business now is a lot different i was gonna say because your business actually did fall apart while it you were on survivor it did yeah um because i was looking short term short term short term how much money can I make this month? How much money can I tell my friends I made this month? Instead of how can I do the biggest thing this month for the most long-term uh, benefit, which yeah. you're very good at, which I've been taking a lot of notes from you because you are Mr. Consistency. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Was that a surprise mm-hmm. to you? Did you know your business was set up that way? Like, So you get off the island, right? Yep. You've been starving to death. You finally yep. have a donut. It's the greatest thing of your life or whatever. And then you come back to your business and it's yeah. completely destroyed. Were you shocked by it wasn't, that? It wasn't completely destroyed, but it was, it was, Survivor for me was a good lesson because it destroyed 
my business, which was like a, I thought it was like a Ferrari. Yeah. And I was just like a crappy wagon with like <laughs> wheels that like going around and around. And I'm just like, yeah, we're killing it. And then just like, I left it out in the wind. And instead of being there the next morning, it was like torn to pieces. Yeah. So it was, it was nice to see the reality of what I had created and how short term it was. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, w- I was very surprised because I thought it was a Ferrari. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, there's, the, the cool thing is like the, the, it's the same amount of effort to build that crappy wagon as it is to build the Ferrari. Um, that's going to last for a much longer time. Yeah. So why? So if is I want to actually question that. Is that true that it's the same amount of effort to build something? I think so. So then why would someone like you earlier choose to build the crappy wagon versus the Ferrari? What's what's the what is so enticing about the, building the crappy? I'd wagon? say it's the 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 shiny object. So I didn't. It's a an analogy that doesn't hold up yeah. anymore for this part of the conversation. Sure, sure, so yeah. we might have to let We're that go. We're mixing our metaphors. That's okay. But, but to me, it looked like a Ferrari. Okay. And it was quicker in the short term to build. Okay. But more costly in the long term. So Ben, and I want to dig into you because you're really, really good at this. Uh, you're good at taking, uh, say, a task, make, get financially uh, independent. And you're like, cool, if I do this today, that tomorrow, that tomorrow, that tomorrow. I feel like immediately you go to, how do I do that consistently? And for me, I was like, oh, our goal is to make money. How much can I make today? Like, how much could be impressive to make today? Hmm. And I, I could probably make a decent amount today and a decent amount in a month. But I could make more than 12 times that month in a year if I thought, how much can I make in a year? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because your superpower is has always been, to, you of all of us can make the most money in a month. In a small amount of time. Like if yeah, I yeah, had yeah. to make money in 30 days, I don't know what I would but do. But only because that was my goal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I had another question, but I Well, my question now. to you is, Oh, no. Why? Wait, Excuse here's my, me, sir. Here's my question. It's my show. <laughs> here's my question. Uh, are you going to plan breaks then? Because you would have just kept riding a rickety wagon, right? Mm. You had to leave. So do you think that part of being a basically pursuing any goal is that you have to give yourself time away from it to let it break down and test if it's a ferrari perspective yeah i think so yeah i think so is that true for relationships and health too because i know you're super focused on fitness and relationships yes i i definitely think so i think it's good and i think it's good to have an outside perspective on it which i think you guys are really good for Mm -hmm. in in all areas uh my, my question before you start talking again why do you think you are naturally wired for that long-term consistent results because you are exceptional at it i have no idea really yeah i mean i could think about it probably because of my parents yeah i don't know what about them yeah ben's always been i mean i, I knew ben when he was 15 ben was planning colleges you know yeah, yeah, yeah. middle school for sure yeah uh, knew where he was gonna apply he was early decision yep. i hadn't applied anywhere <laughs> yeah, yeah i got into college for trial. i had to fill out an application it's also interesting because i i think it it is a really it's a strength of ben's but it also has a flip side which is you're more anxious about the future yes. than benji and, oh, for sure. and i land in the middle like benji is the most today this month oh I'm, yeah i'm got like a six month two-year horizon and you have a 40-year horizon for everything forever till death yeah no, my favorite story about benji is when you had what like three grand when we moved to brazil total yeah, I had three thousand Australian dollars. Three thousand Australian dollars, and I asked for a security deposit that was like half that, right? Uh, I think it was. I think it was actually nineteen hundred. Okay, so yeah. you have three grand. I go, hey, I'm gonna need nineteen hundred of that. I have no idea that you don't have money, and you just send. You just send it. Don't yeah. say anything and don't stress, and still come to Brazil. Like don't. So you had you had very little stress about that. If I if that were me, mm-hmm. the whole house would have known my financial situation because I would have been really stressed about it. You know well, what I mean? You were the most stressed moving to Brazil. Yeah, and you had the most money. Yeah, yeah. So is there a way to get one without the other? Because what you're saying is that's you... my yang, dude. That's the, <laughs> that's the black to my white. Yeah. 
Well, you're saying I, that you want this long-term orientation help spend because he's, yeah. he bills for the long-term, yeah. right? Which is like, yeah. and you zoom out, okay, five years, he's got something that is more, is closer to that Ferrari that you're describing. But mm-hmm. uh, Ben also worries a lot about whether he has that Ferrari for the long-term. Can you get one without the other? Ben's in a garage of five Ferraris, yeah. <laughs> looking out to see if any rubber's coming in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oiling them, <laughs> waxing the car, making sure it's buffed out. I don't know. I mean, they do seem tight. Well, together. you say you're in the middle. You say you are the. I think I'm mid-level stressed compared to you. Like, I wanted to talk to you about this. You, of the three of us, compared to Ben, I'm way relaxed. But compared mm-hmm. to me, you're even more chill yes. than I am. Like, you just. Do you think that's a recent thing now? Uh, is it a recent thing for you that I'm talking about to be stressed? I am a little bit. You know what? That's a great point that you make because when we were both in Brazil, I, I would say we were closer to the same. Yeah, we I, took in turns of sleeping in the living room. Yeah, because we were Airbnb in our room. It's almost funny when you have, at least when I look at myself, the stress that I have had has related to what I perceive I have to lose. Mm-hmm. And when I had nothing to lose in Brazil, I was zero stressed because it was like, what? What is the worst that could happen? I could not have a place to sleep well guess what i'm currently airbnb the bedroom that i have and i'm on a couch i'm already on the floor like my business could fail well it would have to succeed before it could fail because right now it's nothing and the stress that i would still say is totally uh fine like it's not anything to complain about is greater than it was then Mm -hmm. not even in spite of because of the success that we have had because now i have something to lose and weirdly enough Mm. you've always had more to lose than me Mm -hmm. and so i wonder if that's that's caused Could some be. of the stress. I mean, that's what the Buddhists would say, right? Could the attachment is, is what causes it. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe, maybe we need to throw away <laughs> everything we There know. are more variables, though. <laughs> yeah. Because me, you, Dylan Jawadane, Henry had no stress in. Mm-hmm. I'm just listing names. We're cool to do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Some of the people that were with us in Brazil. Some people were with us in Brazil. Uh, we when, were all not stressed. And in the house, there were two people who were more stressed. Mm-hmm. The Ivy and League guys. The Ivy yeah. League boys. Tweaky since we were 12. Eh? <laughs> Sixth grade tweakers. <laughs> but I would say now in your life, you, you would spend the most time with the Ivy League, Ben. You think I'm rubbing off on him? We, I don't know what you guys do in your personal time. <laughs> I rub off on <laughs> him. <laughs> I, I would say I would like to eliminate that variable. Of just me being next to Ben. Yes, you would spend the most time with Ben. Well, you know what? It's true. Ben and I have, have met in the middle for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Ben has calmed down and I've gotten more stressed or uptight as regards the future. And yeah, probably if, if, if you move to LA. So yeah. We'll so- run a test. You move into Charlie's apartment. Charlie, you go with his girlfriend. Back <laughs> in six months, see if we'll, I see, get we'll see who gets stressed out. And I've learned not. the importance of family. You're <laughs> just holding his parents' hands. <laughs> oh good well yeah so i guess what you're saying yeah you're definitely right there's more to it and when you and i were were close because like you had you had your girlfriend the second time they went to brazil you and i spent a ton of time together i would say i was as at least regards the business completely chilled like it was it was totally fine interesting i actually feel less stressed about the business now that we're successful yeah than i did day one in brazil Mm -hmm. now that you've been spending more time with charlie as well yeah, 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 yeah. But what I'm, I'm just saying, so Charlie, I have more to lose today than I did Aussie. in Brazil. Mm. So that's the same variable Charlie had, right? Yes, yes. But I think my stress has actually gone down, even yes. though I have more to lose. Yeah. I think because I'm hanging out with Charlie and because I'm doing psychedelics. Shout out to psychedelics. <laughs> I actually, sponsor. I don't know that we're going to get to the bottom of Shout out to our sponsor, psychedelics. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't. I would like to know the answer to this. I don't know that there's. It's clearly not one variable, but maybe move to LA. Because yeah, I agree. Okay. It's silly to uh, to worry about the future, as it as much that. as I currently do, given where we currently are, compared to the fact that I wasn't worried at all when I had no money, no prospects, and was like, I'm just gonna go back and get a lame job because that's where I came from. Interesting. Very interesting. So, so you had mentioned we talked about Survivor. One of the things, again, where I fall in the middle of YouTube, but you're on the extreme side, you were kind of the heel of your season. You were a bad guy, right? Yes. You were, uh, you finished like, what What number did you finish? Eight. Eight. So you came in and you were you were an Australian survivor. You were making moves. You were manipulative, like, mm-hmm. or at least that's how you were portrayed. Mm-hmm. And you came back and people for your 15 minutes of survivor fame hated you. Some people did, yes. Okay. Safe to yeah. say the whole country hated you. <laughs> Safe to say nobody loved you anymore. <laughs> Your own parents yes. turned against you. And so did that affect you at all ever? Did you have to take a moment to go, okay, this, you know, don't treat this like it's important? Or was it just reflexive for you to be like, this is, I don't care what these strangers think? It's a good question. Um, let me think about it. I, I would say it's, it's tough for me to distinguish specifically because I going to an island for what was it, eight, nine weeks, mm-hmm. not having connection with society. The bi- a big one before I get into what you asked is, um, was it Stockholm Syndrome? Yeah. So being told what to do every minute of the day. Can you sit there and wait while we set up the cameras? Can you, uh, you guys get on the bus now, we're driving to the, the challenge. Um, you guys are going to wait here in the rain for two hours, this, that, this, that. You, you literally, you get told what to do. And our lifestyles... No one tells us anything what yeah. to do ever. Like there's there's no one there. So I would wake up in the morning after eight or nine weeks of being told exactly what to do and when, and be like, what what do I do? Yeah. Like I don't know what to do, and um, that that was probably one of the hardest things to to be like, oh, I have to do this myself. Like go back to self motivation and self discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the hardest thing to so that sort of starts the answer to your question and like it didn't it wasn't my number one worry like i had a lot of people online as did everyone which is also helpful to see like there was not one person out there with me that didn't get a lot of hate online Mm -hmm. because you're in front of 10 million people everyone's on the instagram everyone's on reddit and these things and out of those 10 million million people there's going to be a hundred thousand who hate every single one Mm -hmm. so I, I didn't see myself as uniquely special or uniquely hated in that, but it's like it's just a byproduct of being popular or not popular, but known like like you see. It's just a well, you know game. you know other people that were in your season even before you. Did you have an easier time on average than some other people that you knew? I no, I probably I probably did have the hardest edit to manage. Oh, I'm to manage. So yeah, yes. so your character that it was. And this is the other thing we could talk about, like yeah. the reality tell. The reality portion is silly. It's right? so silly. It was, it's so silly. You have no control. So they tell have. tell tell some of these anecdotes because I was blown away by some of the like how fake the reality television is. So I knew reality TV was fake, and I'm sure I signed somewhere something <laughs> somewhere that prohibits this. But literally, they you will see words cut from sentences. So the big thing you have to understand is there's nine weeks of interviews, and you do two interviews of two hours a day. So they have four hours of content for nine weeks. You've said every word in the English language. And they can make you say anything at any time. Because what they do is say, looking at this camera and talking, and I start my sentence. And then they cut to me 
cutting something with a machete and finish my sentence. And that sentence could be from anywhere. Yeah. And if you listen, if anyone's watching this and watches reality TV, listen for like the jump so you can start to hear the wind difference or like it's just like a little bit faster of a space. You'll start to hear it once you know they do it. And they can make you say anything. Yeah, watch out for the B-roll. The B roll. Yeah. I remember I called you because oh, they had point. they had one of your interviews where they had you say like, "Oh yeah, last year I made eight million dollars." Yeah. It's like yeah. I don't think that's true. Yeah, yeah. And I texted <laughs> you. I was like, "Did Benji make eight million dollars last year?" You're like, no, why? And I called you. Yeah, I was like, "Hey, why did you dis- why yeah. did you decide to lie about your income on yeah. um, Survivor?" Really, yeah, and you you were just like, "No, dude, that's it's not what I said if at you're all." You're watching anything on <laughs> yeah. that? It's probably the opposite of whatever yeah. it was. Yeah, I thought that was fascinating, and then I rewatched it, and it's incredibly subtle. But you can, yep. But you can see that the there's the editing blips. Yep. Where the cadence changes. Yep. Yeah. I probably said a million dollars, and they changed it to eight million dollars yeah. somewhere. Because you said eight. eight somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. That was what blew me away. I was like, oh yeah, they're gonna like pick and choose segments and stack them together to right. create a character. In my head, mm-hmm. reality TV was you have 24 hours on camera. Mm-hmm. You're a dick for one of those hours because mm-hmm. you get cranky because you haven't eaten in a week. Yes. Right? And they go, okay, forget the 23 hours where Benji's helping bandage people's oh, wounds yeah. and right. being really nice. Right. And we're just going to show him being a dick so we can paint him as a dick. Right. I knew that happened. Yeah. I didn't realize that they literally have you say, word I made word. $1 million last year. <laughs> like, okay, now take the one. Remember yeah. when he said the number eight six weeks ago? <laughs> Throw that in there instead. Yeah. Because I I'll, guess it sounds better. I'll, he sounds I'll like tell you. Character. Yeah. I'll tell you a better one, or at least it's more annoying to me. Sure. Because I was out there and had to put up with this stuff. The winner was not strategic. Was not there. She won because she wasn't a threat. Coasted all the way to the end. What they have you do is they have you describe things that other people have told you. So, for example, if you were really sneaky and you hid something in Charlie's bag and Charlie got exposed. I would say, so Ben told me that he did this to Charlie, something, something, something. And then because I won, they need to rewrite a story for me. And even though you did all the moves, you did all the great stuff, I, they would literally edit my story to sound like I did it. And you would not even be mentioned. Wow. And you'd sit at home and you'd be like, what? I did that. <laughs> Lucky that didn't happen to me, but what was annoying was the winner sound, looked like they were just genius running the game Geniuses, running yeah. the game it was ridiculous that's crazy yeah but so so going back to the question so you had a hard edit to deal with do you think mm-hmm. that if you looked around because your sister was also on the show you had mm-hmm. friends that were on the show did you cope with the fame and some of the backlash better than most of the people yes. that you knew so what's the difference there and, and for instance did your sister have a more difficult time with it yes okay so why what was her struggle versus yours what can people who are concerned with what their friends think of them in real life or on the internet mm-hmm. learn from how you dealt with it it's a very good question i'm gonna go broad and you you tell me if i need to go more specific mm-hmm. i think no matter where you came in survivor we use survivor as the the vehicle here there's 24 people no matter where you came it's not a linear 24th struggled the most, first didn't struggle at all. Mm-hmm. The pattern is what, however you deal with stress, however you deal with backlash, however you deal with um, somebody who hates you is how you deal with it when you're on Survivor. Mm-hmm. So the person who came first in one of the seasons struggled, depression, anxiety, went crazy. Mm-hmm. Some guy came 18th and he's just like, oh, best experience of my life. Mm-hmm. Like such a, such a great opportunity uh, to go out there. I had fun. Yeah, I didn't make it, but uh, it was a great time. And, then, and for me, I identify, I think, half, half naturally and half uh, forced or like learned 
as I'm not a sufferer. I'm a very happy person. I'm very appreciative. Um, I have these beliefs, I feel like, that really help me. Oh, this is a great opportunity. I read a DM that someone's like just tearing me out because they hate my character on Survivor. One, I think, a, a side one is I separated my character from myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm like, oh, that's a great opportunity to learn that I feel like most people are uneducated. Most people, are, on average, a person the average person is average. And so I'm like, that That really drove that in on on these viewers of Survivor. Like, I actually don't want to spend my life around them. I don't want to be around those people. I want to surround myself with really incredible people even more because I was getting those messages in. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, you really have to protect yourself from this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So how um, does someone learn that? Because we get a lot of messages from people who, yep. who really care about what their friends think or yep. even what people in their school that they aren't friends with think or coworkers, yep. what do they think of me? Yep. It's, I think it's really easy to get concerned with how other people perceive you. Yes. So how do you weaken that worry? It's a very good question. Um, I, I think that the problem is I didn't start from there. I don't mm-hmm. think I was ever really at that position. So I don't, I can't confidently say those first steps. Sure. What I can say helps me is what do you, how do I identify myself? And like identity is like the strongest thing that you're not going to go against. And, I, and I, I identify myself as one of the happiest people, someone who doesn't suffer. Um, I identify myself as a, as a really good person. Like I think I'm a really good person. And um, these identities are stronger than... It's like I think you gave me a really good analogy once. It was about talking to girls. And I love this one. And I feel like it holds true here. It's like when you walk up to a girl and something goes wrong, you're confused. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you were like, it's like if I walked into a room and I flicked the light switch on and the light didn't come on, I'm confused. I don't blame myself. I blame the light. And, you, and it was like that, just that confidence in yourself. It's like, oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's cool to go up to a girl and if something goes wrong, you're like, that, why didn't that light turn on? Like I, like I hit the switch and it's not, you don't like reflect inwards and take, and take shots at yourself. You're like, oh, there was something that about I missed the switch or I missed the problems, missed the approach. But it's like that I do have that confidence that, that, um, that I feel like people, people don't have in, in my identity. Sure. How do you strengthen your identity? Do you do anything like affirmations or incantations or meditations? Yeah, I, I would say I've done all of them. I don't like meditation. <laughs> um, I'd say I, incantations are the best. Jump on a trampoline, smack in, your, smack in your chest and get in a good state and just reaffirm whatever you want to reaffirm. Like, like someone was like, all I need is within me now. Every day, in every way, I'm getting stronger. These are the ones that I have done. I don't, I don't do them now, but I have done. I have built that up. And I think, I think a big one, a big one that I'm learning, I think Charlie does this really well. If you can understand why things happen, even this goes back to the trauma stuff. You can understand why are people reacting this way? Mm-hmm. Why do I feel this way? And you can understand the, the deeper layers of it. You can fix it or you can just observe it. But you know, it's like, uh, my mom said something mean to me and I'm like, well, she's hurting. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm not reactive. It's like you are mean to me. I'm like, oh, she's hurting. She needs some more love and try and step back a little bit from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hearing a couple of things just because I'm, I'm trying to listen to what comes naturally to you that, that is embedded in everything you're saying. Yeah. So one of them is that you depersonalize the attacks in a lot of different ways. You're like, this is about them. Mm. This is about my character. 
this is you know you separate who you are mm-hmm. from what is being said about you which uh, is true to some extent because no nobody really even fully can know you right mm-hmm. and i think uh to because you're going to put this way more succinctly than i put it to, to add on to yours um you passed you i don't associate with like mm-hmm. oh you know what you're right that was how i acted and now i can grow and become someone else mm-hmm. and i don't identify with past me mm-hmm so yeah, so de- so depersonalizing, separating uh, mm-hmm. who you are now from whatever the criticism is, and you have a number of different automatic strategies that kick yeah. in. Uh, the second one that that was impactful to me was you look at a broader scope, and you're like everyone dealt with this. You know what I mean? Yeah. You mm-hmm. you do not singularly focus on yourself. You're like there's someone out there that's getting so much more hate. Justin Bieber is more hated than I am. Logan Paul is more hated than I am. Like Tony Robbins, who I really admire, had this BuzzFeed article written right. about him from people who hate him. Right. And in that way, you're able to see that you are not special in your horridness. Yes. Yeah. You know you're what not, I mean? You're not uniquely <laughs> yeah. despicable. Yes. Right? You're as despicable as every other Survivor participant has ever been. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the one, because when I was you know, caring about comments, this is one that you shared with me that, that personally impacted me. And I started a little file of people I admire and negative things that were said about them. And just that every now and then I go back and I look at like, oh my gosh, nice. like I think that I have it bad. This is what it's like to be someone that I truly look up to who has, uh, you know, an entire hate club <laughs> of people who like band together to to shout them down or take them down or, or protest whenever they speak or whatever it is. Uh, so that that's one that I think helps a lot, too, because it's very easy to get narrowly focused on yourself in these sorts of scenarios. Yes. So those are the two big ones that I, heard. Oh, yes. I don't know if you heard anything else, but that's what great well, summary. Mm-hmm. Well bucketed. Well bucketed. Because I do, it's like I, I, I feel like I do sort of do that naturally, so I cannot like really walk it back too well. Sure. But mm-hmm. everything that I think of just falls into one of those those two buckets. Like the other one is like people don't actually care about you. That's huge, yeah. and that just goes in depersonalization. I well, well, even I would even put that separate because I've talked about this a lot on the podcast. But you drew it to my attention. You're like, when I open my Instagram, I mean, most of the DMs are nice, but some of them are hateful. You know what I mean? No, I'm, this must, is what you told nice. me. This is what you told me. Must be nice. <laughs> when you were having your 15 minutes, <laughs> and on, you were... uh, no DMs at all for me. <laughs> oh, that's all good. Must be nice, Chuck. Must all be nice. nice. <laughs> so I remember you're having your 15 minutes in Australia, and yep. you were getting stopped multiple times a day, yep. and your DMs were exploding, mm-hmm. and, and you were like. On the internet, there's hate, but not one person has ever approached me in the world and said this. Mm -hmm. And this isn't 100% true of everybody's bullying scenario, but oftentimes you're going to hear the most negative things about yourself in the most virtual communities, right? It's like the bully who has an anonymous thing online or can hit you up on Facebook or whatever it is versus who has the guts to come up to you and say to your face is a much smaller category of people. So you focused much more on your like person-to-person real world experience and i mean now you're off of instagram but like well help me do that too yeah help me see what is real Mm -hmm. and and spend more time in real but like you said it's like people have nothing to lose Mm -hmm. on a youtube comment on an instagram dm they're they're not they're not threatened at all if someone had to go up to ben and be like hey i didn't like that video there's there's a sacrifice that they're gonna have to yeah, make. Yeah. There is a twenty percent chance that something bad is gonna happen to them. There's twenty percent chance then swings. I trust me, I've seen it. <laughs> He's a violent man. He's a bad man. My actually the one that I like the most is the empathy. I, I've seen that that's been very helpful for me and I think it can help in the in person ones too. Because that sense of, oh well this person doesn't really know me, that might not work so well if you're in school and you see the person every day and you think that they do know you. Which first of all they still don't. Mm. But what I realized is that nobody bullies from a place of competence and love, right? So if you're getting bullied, 
there's a chance that that person's father is incredibly mean to him, right? And that he's just mirroring what the people around him do. There's a chance that he's incredibly insecure. She's incredibly insecure. And that that meanness comes from a sense of trying to bring you down because she or he doesn't feel like they are up. And so it sucks and it can be really hard in the moment to deal with bullying. But I've, I've seen that in, in the people that have been mean in my life like people in my fraternity who were just kind of dicks to everyone when their life actually finally got to the point where somebody was nice to them or was loving to them they stopped being such a dick yeah so if you are getting bullied just recognize that person's in a lot of pain and their life probably is terrible and this is just their way of of lashing out at someone that they view as weaker than them because someone that they view as stronger than them is making them feel like and then that that i thought was really helpful for me and then the other one is this idea that when somebody writes an angry comment on YouTube, it says more about them than it does about what they're commenting on. Mm-hmm. So they have anger in in them yeah. that needs to come out. And then oftentimes they'll just live their life, move on and completely forget about whatever they commented on, which I, I thought you, you brought that to my attention. I thought that was really interesting as well. Yeah. So next topic, unless <laughs> you guys have anything else. No, no. So I, I was researching podcasts and I've gone, I've listened to a whole bunch of podcasts, mm. but I wound up on Aubrey Marcus and then I wound up on his Instagram because I was curious how he promoted his podcast. And one of the posts was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm giving up sex. I'm done. It's never going to happen. And then like six posts later, it's like, I lasted nine days. <laughs> wow, really? Nine days. <laughs> and I just thought it was funny because I've talked about uh, having a time in the future. Right now I'm, I'm dating. But a time in the future where I was like, you know what? If I'm not in a relationship, this would be a good exercise Yeah, you to keep do. saying you'll go monk mode. Go five or six months, you know, just, just allow that to not be a focus or part of my life. And it was funny to watch somebody's like, I'm going to do it. I made a public pronouncement. <laughs> and it's like, I made it nine days, which is kind of like a humble brag at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Sure, yeah. Like, oh, oh I, I, could, I couldn't, couldn't even, even prevent it. them. <laughs> they, they were just clawing at me. I do wonder if you, are, if you are going through a personal growth journey and sharing it publicly, I wonder if it almost ruins part of the personal growth. Yeah. I wonder if by having to go on Instagram and declare your celibacy or having to go on Instagram and then declare that you got laid after your celibacy, I I wonder if that wouldn't all be better off with the Instagram deleted and just a personal promise to try it, a personal acknowledgement that you failed, a personal promise to try harder next time. Mm -hmm. I don't know. For me, at least, that seems like it's probably the route to go if you're looking for enlightenment or you're looking for personal growth rather than... It brings a question to motivation. Almost. It brings mm-hmm. that extra vote. And I think With- a lot of times people, they say, and this is no shade at Aubrey, this is just in general, people will say it's to help other people. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to publicize my journey because then other people can learn with me. But I think to some degree that will hold back your journey totally. if you have to, if you feel the need to share it publicly, if you yeah. cannot just go do it for yourself with yourself, I think to what some ab- extent you won't grow as much. What about if it's for accountability? You could share with one person, two people, someone you truly yeah, respect. Yeah, you don't need Instagram, uh, uh, 10,000 strangers for accountability. So I'll tell you what happened because I, I saw this. I, I read the post and it was, it's okay. We love you. It's like, and, and the for his case, and if he were here, I would say as much to him. Uh, he says that he was doing this to love himself more and, mm-hmm. and to get into self-love. And then he posted, I didn't do it. It's okay. We love you just as, and it's like, this is a crutch. <laughs> like this needs to be kicked out delete this get off of this don't pronounce and 
and you'll be forced to actually generate some of that stuff. It seems to me when somebody's posting with that frequency and he, you know, it was nine days and there was, I think, more than nine posts in between those days or about nine. It's like at least one a day. Uh, that does seem to be counterproductive to one's goal, which is loving oneself and then posting constant updates as to one's mental state where you can receive and comment back. It's like, yeah. just doesn't seem healthy. I think accountability is hugely important, but I think accountability with one person that can, that will hold you accountable because they're close to you is much better than public accountability yep. where they will not do any, what can a public anonymous mob that doesn't know me do? Mm -hmm. If I say that I'm going to do this, I commit to the, working out every day and then I don't, you can't reach me. Right. Mm -hmm. yep. But if I tell Charlie, I'm going to work out every day. And if I don't, I'm going to Venmo you a hundred dollars every time that I miss the gym. Yep. He can actually hold me accountable. And our friendship is such that if I, if I welch on that, yeah, it will hurt it's our hurt. relationship. It hurts my honesty, right? He, he knows he can't take future commitments as seriously from me. So there's real stakes mm -hmm. versus the public accountability, funny enough, is the weakest because mm -hmm. it's just 100,000 people that don't really know you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, or care. They don't care at all <laughs> yeah. if you're going to the gym or not. Right. Well, you know what? I was Because I just watched one of my old videos uh, in an attempt to try to figure out how we started because I'm trying to figure out how to grow the podcast. I looked back on how we grew the YouTube channel. And I think this actually on the surface runs counter to what you're saying, but if you dig into it, it has actually lines up exactly. So okay. one of the first videos that we ever put up was me going, I declare that I'm gonna do a video a week for 52 weeks. And you know, I'm gonna do that for the YouTube people. Hmm. Now, I believe that you know, on the surface, that looks like, oh no, he's getting public validation. But the truth is, nobody validated me for that commitment. It was not something that is, uh, approved of or that people are like wow you're a hero for making this but it was something that i would have suffered consequences if i didn't live up to in addition to that this was a promise to deliver what was essentially something of value to someone else mm -hmm. saying that i'm going to lose the weight or i'm going to not have sex or i'm going to not do this the other person isn't counting on you to follow through in those scenarios your fans don't okay you lost the weight like i it doesn't impact me but if you promise me one useful video a week and you don't show up, I'm mm. going to be a little bit angry at yeah, you. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and so if you are going to do accountability, make it something that is for them so that they're going to be angry about it yeah. <laughs> when you don't follow through. As opposed to just, you know, I'm publicly declaring uh, this virtuous goal that, I've, that I'm going to try to accomplish. Yeah, makes sense. But, same, yeah. Same topic. Mm. I don't know if you talked about this on the podcast yet, but you are considering celibacy. Considering in a future Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. No, I, I, I believe it will be part of my life, honestly. It was a huge part of my life for a long voluntary time. Voluntary celibacy? <laughs> for about 19, I 20 years. I foresee involuntary celibacy uh, in my future. Yeah. Even with those DMs? Even with those DMs. <laughs> wow. No, I think, I do think that it, I will go five to six months at some point within the next three to five years that is my prediction and your pledge. And that's not a pledge to the people who I, care I, and will hold you accountable well, you'll, you'll get on my case i know it and <laughs> i think i'm more curious on the motivation the motivation is because it's it's lessened but it's the same as aubrey's motivation which i think is the right motivation minus the instagram aspect of it is uh using particularly members of the opposite sex liking you and validating you in a sexual capacity as a route to feel good about oneself. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is, it's tough because when you're in a relationship, hopefully that's, you know, that's a part of the relationship. Mm -hmm. But 
if if you get out of a relationship, I think it it's kind of like cutting out sugars, and it's like you know this would be a good thing to do for a period of time just to sort of reset where I look to feel good about myself. Yeah. I don't look to uh, be liked or to be pleasing to other people. I look to some sort of internal thing mm-hmm. with more ease and regularity. So that's why I would do it. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, um, it's not it's not like a vow of forever, I don't think. Maybe. Who knows? Pledge it now. <laughs> Pledge it. Put it down. Pledge it. Pledge it. <laughs> yeah, that's why. Uh, because I think it's it's too easy for me to receive validation from that and numb any internal discomfort that I might otherwise have to deal with. Mm-hmm. That and yeah, I would you know hopefully go longer than nine days, but <laughs> I think it'd be easier for me to go longer than nine days. Let's be real, my DMs aren't aren't that active. No, Aubrey Marcus, <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to try and turn it down now. We heard the truth. Yeah, yeah, we heard the honesty. I heard the humble first. brag. <laughs> it's just too easy for me to get validation from the opposite sex and tell me why don't you want validation from the opposite sex? Because I think it's a crutch. It's it's. Uh, yeah, it's it's that's the best metaphor. We're screwing our metaphors up today, but it's <laughs> you know you have this leg that could develop strength if only you tested it. It's yep. the self love leg. Yeah, and it would be a difficult. It would be hard. It would be sore, and it would hurt, and it would struggle, and you might fall. And so, in order to avoid that because it's uncomfortable, you just walk around with this solid crutch. Yep. But you're but you're you're crippled in some way forever. Yep. And so, what you want to do is you kick that crutch out, and then you go, okay, like I'm this this leg is going to get strong. Yep. Or it's going to get strong. Yep. Um, or I'll find another crutch. <laughs> or, but, or you carry a crutch and you have a backpack of other crutches. <laughs> so if that crutch were to break, you never have to rely on your weak leg. Yes. Yeah. Or you could get yourself a Ferrari. Yeah. Drive right <laughs> don't need a crutch. But I, I would actually say that th- that is similar to my train of thought. And that's mm-hmm. why I, I feel like I, instead of going for celibacy, I went for monogamous relationship. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know, and maybe... I'm not as enlightened yet. <laughs> I don't know if the ultimate goal is to walk on the legs. It is to get the most sustainable crutch, the mm-hmm. one you don't have to replace every week or every month or whatever it is. That's a great point. And so, yeah, so family, they could be considered a crutch, but their crutch is going to be there the whole life. Hopefully. Hopefully. Well, this is, this is the Buddhist point. Like, depending on how far you zoom out, None, nothing is permanent. Everything is going to be left. The only mm-hmm. thing that will be here from start to finish is your own consciousness. Mm-hmm. So anything outside of your own consciousness is an attachment to something that is impermanent and a crutch mm-hmm. in this metaphor, mm-hmm. family included. Like yes. you're very fortunate that everyone in your family is healthy, and I hope that stays for as long as you are alive. Thanks, Joe. Uh, which, weirdly enough, is a way of saying, like, I hope you die first. <laughs> <laughs> We're all rooting for it. All at the same time. <laughs> all at the same One, time. two, three. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so the, and there are things that have more reliability than others. Uh, in my life, I would say when relationships, you know, are in the middle to short term, honestly, I when I look at how long they last and romantic. I, I mean, romantic relationships, yes. I would say friendships are in the medium to long term, like you can rely on them. And that's just based on my experience. So the reason that I don't choose to to pl- to make my plan okay this is going to be a forever romantic relationship is because that's just not my that's not been my experience of romantic yes. relationships it's and not interestingly what I see. you're not talking about going celibate from friends for instance no you're not no. saying the way i'm going to teach myself self-love is to stop hanging out with my friends so correct because it is a more dependable crutch yeah and and weirdly enough maybe one day i'll be like oh man you know a friend will die and i'll suffer and i'll be like 
oh my god, that's impermanent too. I'm gonna I, have to go sit on a mountain by myself. <laughs> and well, just, can I? Can I offer another reason though? Potentially, I think that most people don't replace self-love with friend love. I think most people replace it with romantic love. This idea of you complete me. I my ex and I used to say you're my person. You know this person that's meant for me that completes me. You don't say that about a friend. I love you. You're like one of my closest friends, but I never say, "Oh, Benji, now that I have you, I'm a complete person." Thank you. Right? <laughs> I, I Benji's going to edit that in post reality. <laughs> yeah, we got my caveat. And here he is saying that I complete him. Smooth over, Charlie. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there is this sense of I still have to be a complete whole, even if I have amazing friendships. Yes. But I think with romantic relationships, some people can lose themselves a little bit or feel like they need that other person in order to be whole mm -hmm. so i think that's why people like aubrey or you or you know tons of other people say that celibacy is important but not being friendless mm -hmm. i think those do fill different psychological roles mm -hmm. i think monks are friends with other monks probably right they're just all celibate i think yeah. that i think that's indicative of something that yes. buddhism has existed for a long time mm-hmm yeah, that, that the attachment that is created in a romantic relationship is, is something... Unique to a friendship. That's yeah. why people like them so much. Yeah. That's why people get so infatuated with the romantic partners. It does something very different to the brain than a friendship mm -hmm. does. Mm -hmm. And weirdly enough, yeah, this is the... I mean, I've talked about self-love on the channel now for three years, but it is there is a sense of... I talked about in that first video, the pillar, the leg, call it whatever you want, and having these other legs supporting it. And one can be your reputation. It can be your popularity. It can be the people that you date. It can mm -hmm. be any of those things. And yeah, I'm wondering at what point in my life I'm going to have to just kick all the ones that I'm leaning out. And, and monks shave their heads. I thought about that. I, yeah, was yeah, like, I, remember. I was like, I might shave my head on camera Britney Spears style. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, and because I get it, I'm attached to my hair. You know, like I, I would be embarrassed or scared to walk around bald and maybe for that reason i need to do it mm. uh so in in due time though i i would say if i am on the monk's path it's the sidewalk <laughs> <laughs> certainly not the highway to, <laughs> to buddhist enlightenment at this point maybe maybe slowly over the course of Bunk years of and decades. pull up like get in bro you're on the way to the mountain ah <laughs> uh, you know what <laughs> i'm good i'm good <laughs> I, I, i'm dating right now <laughs> i said it within three to five years <laughs> <laughs> did you bring any other stuff that you wanted to uh chat about nah let me see if I had one other thing. I'm empty-handed today. I just got brought questions. my Benji. Yeah, go for it. I got a question for you boys because mm -hmm. I think it would be very helpful for people listening, and was very helpful for me. Um, I got lots of questions. Let's start with this one. Where would you both? What advice would you both give your 18-year-old self coming out of high school? I mean, I told you this is. It was, it was, buy crypto <laughs> invest in google we just talked about monk ships sell tesla at 300 you know whatever no what advice would i give myself uh it would be to it would be a short list of the resources weirdly enough the most if if it, there was one video i could make that i knew people would take action on it would be a book list video and I think that would be the most help that I could possibly deliver to someone if I knew that they would do everything that was contained within that video. Because I don't know that there's a pithy quote that I could tell my 18-year-old self that would mm. change him. But I do know that there are books. So that... what, do the, what do those books do for 18-year-old Charlie? So 18-year-old Charlie thought that his personality was static. Mm -hmm. So that's the first one is, is okay, we got to break that. I didn't know that one could learn to be more confident and charismatic. So that's part of it. 18-year-old Charlie assumed 
that he was going to work until he was 65 in an office and make lateral moves mm-hmm. until he finally had the corner office. So I would, you know, four-hour work week for mm-hmm. that. Uh, and I would probably then, the third category would be spiritual stuff. I would give him Eckhart Tolle and be like, "This, you're not going to like this right now. Yeah, you're not going to like this right now. And that's the other thing. It's like, now just go mess up because I don't think, I don't think 18-year-old me could have connected with the books that I'm reading right now mm-hmm. even had I encountered them. He would have been ashamed and embarrassed of who 32-year-old me eventually became. And like, on, this guy is a loser. <laughs> I am going to take a hard left turn and just start doing, you know, hard drugs. Pause him a switch control. Like, Go for it, son. <laughs> no, and, and weirdly enough, this is the thing. I Because I have sort of a determinist understanding of the world and a belief that things couldn't have gone differently than they did, I wouldn't do anything differently because I couldn't do anything differently. And every point that I've arrived at today needs every other mistake that I made in the past to have gotten here. Like, for instance, I couldn't understand these books if I didn't have the experiences that I had that kind of sucked. Funny enough, that's why I I wouldn't say anything because I believe in free will. Yeah. Yeah. And so I would not want to rock the boat because I like where things ended up. You do believe in free will. Yeah, I do. And so if I gave four-hour work week to 17-year-old Ben, maybe he doesn't go to college. College yeah. was super fun for me. Yeah. you know. And I think investment banking wasn't fun, but I don't have to relive that experience. I'm 32 now, and I mm-hmm. like where 32-year-old Ben ended up. Yeah. So if I spare 18-year-old Ben from the four years of being worked to death in finance, yeah. I don't know where I end up to today. Right. You know what I mean? So I don't know that I would say anything. I would, would give advice be... to other 18-year-olds. So you have a Back you to be... the Future timeline here where you're going back, you talk to them, and then you maybe disappear in the photo if he doesn't do the I right thing. I have to disappear in the photo. So okay. what are you trying to prevent well, by needing to disappear? Timeline. That's a different thing. <laughs> <laughs> where there's, you know what I'm saying, two sure, different universes sure. and you don't experience either of them. Sure. So you can just tell them, hey, man, like, go nuts. Go nuts. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how time. helpful this is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I have a lot of advice that I would give to 18-year-olds who have questions for me, and I have a lot of advice for 32-year-olds who are unhappy. So I, but, I would like to know, why would you not want to change where you are now? Uh, like, what, what are you scared that you will lose? Well, not scared. I just like where I'm, I'm at. Yeah. Like, I don't. I probably wouldn't have met you if I went back to 18-year-old me and told myself to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Because I wouldn't have ended up in New York. I'd make other friends. Yeah. That maybe they'd be just as good. Oh. But... <laughs> Some Sorry, nerves, did you complete so. me? You know, <laughs> yeah, we got that long I said for the cameras. <laughs> So we, I guess I'm trying to get to what are you optimizing for? So like you met, you met me, you, you surf in the mornings, you got like the incredible life. Like are you optimizing for fulfillment? Honestly, I think Ben is risk averse and he likes where he is. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. This is the truth. Like you would probably have some things you'd be like, dude, he could do this faster, get a better life. Like because you see the upside. Ben is looking at this from a downside capping perspective. He's like, I like where I am. Yeah. And I wouldn't want to make any change because things could get worse. And again, that goes back to a fundamental difference in how Ben views the future yeah, yeah. versus how you do. Gotcha. You think that you're like, yeah, but it could be so much better. It's like, <laughs> yes, but it could get worse. <laughs> but I guess I'm also trying to define what better and worse means to Ben. Most of that metric is pretty much happiness. Happiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other questions before we go to fan questions? Or? Uh, I'll go one more. Yeah. What are you most proud of? My friendship with Benji. <laughs> <laughs> My well-behaved dog. No. <laughs> <laughs> He's been howling all week. Uh, what am I most proud of? Do you have 
one? I don't either. What? What are you proud of? I suppose the YouTube channel would be the the thing that that comes to mind. Um, but also, I like I'm not totally there clearly because I still get competitive and and that sort of stuff. But I feel less as I've moved towards a more determinist style of thinking, which basically is that it is. I don't see a space for free will in my past or in my present or in my future. I think that uh, every thought that occurs to me wasn't chosen. It occurred to me. And then the weighing of thoughts that happens is based on, you know, a past string of values that were weighed before. And then they create outcomes in the world, much like billiards, you know, just a very complicated set of billiards tables mm-hmm. that then moves my body, my lips move, and, and here I am. So to, to take pride in anything is kind of silly. It's kind of like taking pride in a movie that I'm watching mm-hmm. when I'm just an audience member. And it's great. You know, I, get, I, I believe in consciousness. I believe that I'm aware of mm-hmm. what is happening, but I don't... Yeah, it would be like taking pride in Captain America lifting up Mjolnir <laughs> and be like, yeah, but why not? that was my most proud moment. <laughs> because I don't identify, or not all the time, and certainly there's moments where I deeply identify with these things, yes. but increasingly I identify less with, with the things that I have done in the past. So in order to take pride, one needs to say it could have gone differently, yeah. right? I, I could have taken a different thing, and I am pleased well, and proud that not, I chose not that. Not necessarily. I mean, you can just feel pride. You could be proud. I, I guess this starts a little bit back. It's like if you, are, if you don't believe in, in free will, mm-hmm. how do you think that changes your life today? Like what is different compared to if there was free will and there was not free will? Uh well, I would say it it starts one, and I'm not totally there towards a deeper sense of gratitude for, towards the things that are going well. Mm-hmm. When you when you believe in free will, it's very easy to be like, "I made this, I did it. It could have gone wrong. It went wrong for other people because they didn't stick to it enough." And when you release some of that, and things are going well, you're like, oh, "That's pretty awesome!" <laughs> like, yeah. did that? That had nothing to do with me. What what a break! Uh, so that's part of it. It makes it very. It makes it much easier to forgive oneself and other people because mm-hmm. you look back at the past. If you believe in free will, you go, "I should have done that differently." I mean, why didn't I do that? I'm such an idiot. And this is something that is much easier for me to do now is to say, "I couldn't have done any differently." Given all the thoughts and everything that was happening around me, what else could I possibly have done other than what I did? Uh, even if it was a stupid, dumb thing. I just see you like eating Ben's food and stealing my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, stealing <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry, boys. Now that I could have what done. else could I do? I can't <laughs> help it. Now that I could have done. <laughs> No free will. <laughs> yeah, but it leads to less identification and ownership over the things that you've done, both good and bad. So pride is diminished as well as judgmentalness of oneself and other people. Those are the big impacts that it makes, I think. Uh, and then, of course, we discuss it <laughs> on 30% of the podcast. <laughs> so that's a changed thing that we, that we have. Everyone knows Charlie does not like free will. Yeah, it comes up. It's, it's so integral. It's funny because I was reading this book and – whether or not there is free will affects so many foundational philosophical beliefs. Yeah. So it really does need to be addressed. And for, for most people, you assume that it is the case in the same way they look at the sun. You're like, well, it's clearly revolving around the earth. Like, you know, you move from over there to over there over the course of the day. Uh, but I do think that if you read Sam Harris's book that is called Free Will, do some of the things that are in it, it is, it is a tough defense to make of free will. And I've not heard a compelling argument for it yet i feel like i have it <laughs> i'd like to hear it i feel like it's a very long potentially long conversation we can still but... do it 
I mean, we've done it you in do the past. We'll do it every now and then. You do believe it. Yeah, yeah, but not based on anything except for I feel like I have it. Yeah. And it's a so helpful belief to have. That's what I was thinking. That's what... Well, it's... Yeah. I think... Mine's weird. I accept that other people are where they are largely because of their experiences. So we've talked about this briefly. I was held up at gunpoint in Brazil. I don't begrudge that 15-year-old. He is there because of the circumstances of his life. Right. You know what I mean? So I apply deterministic empathy to other people. Yeah. But for myself, I feel like I have free will. And it seems like there's no value in thinking that I don't. So I haven't really given... I haven't read Sam Harris's book. I don't dive deeper than that. I just go, okay, well... Seems like I do. Seems valuable to think I do. So I'll just think that I do. Yeah. You know what I mean? But with other people, I don't begrudge them necessarily for their decisions. Mm -hmm. Well, the argument for pursuing truth, whether or not you can see the value in it, is that you don't always know the value of a true statement immediately. Mm -hmm. So like uh, one of the big scientific achievements came from Maxwell, who was studying magnets way back in the day. And he was just looking at magnets. And people were like, what is this for? Like, I don't know. Well, electromagnetic theory is very important for all sorts of things to do with electricity and satellites and all those things, mm -hmm. but there was no practical application. So it is, and I believe this is likely to be the case, that the most true understanding one can have of life over the long run is going to lead to, uh, I don't want to say beneficial because it might not be beneficial to you in the way that you conceive of yourself, but to, I guess, I, yeah, I, I take it back. It might not be beneficial. <laughs> it might just be true sure. is what it might be. I uh, think the, there's just a – you don't do this, but I think there is a risk in thinking there's no free will that someone could have where they use it to Benji's point to justify behavior that is not good for them or is not good for the world. Mm -hmm. I think that's different than philosophically thinking that you're a billiard ball. But in your day-to-day, -day, you do try to do good. You donate to charity water and – that is a billiard ball in your mind, but also a decision that you make or that your brain makes for you or however you mm -hmm. want to put it. You know what I'm saying? Versus, movie. yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Versus going and being really greedy or really mean or really mean-spirited and hurtful and then going, can't help myself. For what it's worth, I've never heard of that as an outcome of anyone who was who was seriously inquired into free will. It, I mean, the people who are who are arriving here are Sam Harris and his his ilk, who are already super thoughtful. And for whatever reason, once they come to this, are not like, well, <laughs> I'm just going to kill everyone now. Mm -hmm. it's, it doesn't tend to be the way that they go. Uh, so yeah, but what what it has done is, I think I'm a probably more forgiving and less prideful are the, are the two biggest things. And I'd say less proactive about changing the areas of your life that are suboptimal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that that's definitely something I've seen. It's like something will be suboptimal or it'll be not like tied to your identity perfectly. And you'll just go, well, this is my path. And it's also, that's not just free will. Um, there's, there's other uh, similar or concurrent beliefs sure. that, that inform that as well. So that's not necessary as as an acceptance or a belief or whatever you want to call it that that deterministic world is is a more accurate view of things mm -hmm. um but yeah do you believe in free will um i i'm not that well educated on it mm -hmm. technically i have i've seen that i've seen a youtube video about that book mm -hmm. and I, I cannot think of a rational argument that 
helps be like, no, I do have a choice and it's not my environment and my chemistry that have made that. Yeah, it's impossible to disprove. Exactly. From what I've heard about exactly. Sam Harris's argument. Yes, but I don't, The if, if I live my life according to that, according to changing my choices or pretending to change my choices because of that, I'd see my life getting only worse. Mm -hmm. I see myself having less joy, less happiness, less fulfillment. So I don't, I don't actively subscribe in my day-to-day -day life to it. Got it. Well, you, you, one of your core values is happiness, right? Definitely. Same with me. Yeah. Charlie's core value is truth. Truth. So he doesn't care if it makes him, I mean, you'd like to be happy, mm -hmm. but the idea that it is less happy or more happy doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. The ultimate pursuit is philosophical truth, yes. right? Yeah, I mean, it, I was happier when I thought that Santa Claus was real. Yeah. No question. I cried that night. <laughs> was, uh, I, I couldn't have predicted it at the time, but an honest understanding of the world is beneficial, and you don't know it when you're whatever, 13 years. No, just Are kidding. you better off? <laughs> seven. I was wouldn't, seven. Wouldn't you be better off if you just believed in Santa Claus? No, because then, the, I, I mean, there's a hundred reasons that I could give you. You'd make that, sure you were on the good list every yeah. year. <laughs> <laughs> and right, and you might, you might be able to coax certain behaviors out of oneself for believing things that aren't true, which is why we lie to ourselves and to others in order to coax behaviors that we think are the best. But reality, this is kind of my belief, reality wins every time mm -hmm. you bang up against it and so the best thing you can do is try to look at it honestly sure and in the ways in which you lie to yourself even though those create short-term advantages for yourself uh will eventually get you so there is there is some self-interest in my desire for truth and well, a belief that long term that's going to make me happier more fulfilled itself yeah to me this argument has felt like it never matters weirdly mm -hmm. enough free will mm -hmm. or not because you there i don't think there is a santa claus isn't real moment where all of a sudden you're like Oh, if I had free will, I would do otherwise, but I can't. I am determinist, and all of a sudden, reality comes crashing down. Like, I'm not mm -hmm. a huge fan of The Secret or of NLP. I think if you – it has moments of power, but if you sit in your office every day doing poor work but going, I'm going to get promoted. I'm going to get promoted. I believe I'm going to get promoted. You're not because you're doing shitty work, right? But I don't see the rubber meeting the road ever on this because I think it is almost like whatever you believe is true. <laughs> so I'll, give, I'll give you one area where I think it might uh, help, and I wouldn't have predicted this. So we went to uh, – we've done ayahuasca several times. The shaman there, one of the things that she said to me is that, like, the next stage for you is going to be unraveling judgment. Mm -hmm. And when I – you know, she's, she's often been like, write down all your judgments that you make in a day about yourself and other people. Just write them down. Just to become aware of the places that judgment occurs. And when I read these books, it, it often seems that the next step that a lot of people say – uh, is is removing judgment or unraveling judgment and i believe that you could probably do that in a free will mm -hmm. context but it is certainly aided by a belief yeah, that yeah. there was no other way well, you know me dude i don't judge other people <laughs> I, just, I just fog myself <laughs> everyone else gets the determinist excuse <laughs> only i have to be held to the free will state <laughs> well i think that it's uh we do our brains do onto the world often as they do unto ourselves and it, it, it forms a circle and so whether or not that judgment is apparent it it exists in there and so i'm not done with judgment by any means it's still like my favorite hobby is <laughs> 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 to, to judge and talk and gossip and all those sorts of things but i do see it like getting a little bit harder for me not like i have to fight it even sometimes like i can't sometimes i can't work up the strength that i want to judge someone because I'm like, oh, but like, what are they gonna do? You know, like, mm. uh, so it that I do think has been a 
uh, baby step in a right direction aided by the the lack of belief in free will doesn't and that's not an argument for pursuing it though the argument that ultimately should pursue you is the true one <laughs> if it is true or isn't it true uh but free will fun any other oh. thoughts uh what are you most proud of mr free will i don't know i mean pretty good at self-logging dude not not as good at self-congratulation <laughs> i don't know it's it's harder to pick something as I get older. Like when I was a kid, it was obviously my grades. That was what I was really proud of. And then in college, it was my grades. And then when I was it had a certain job, it was probably my job. Now, I don't know. I mean, the obvious answer is the business. But for some reason, the business feels like an awesome thing that happened by accident, less so than something I masterminded. You know what I mean? Almost like you didn't have the choice. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Yeah, I feel I do feel fortunate that the business is so successful, more so than that I my brilliance is what made it so that things worked out. I disagree. Um, you that's that's where your consistency kicks in. You just worked hard for three years on it. Yeah, yeah, I'm not saying this is right. Yeah. I'm actually not saying this is reality. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying when you ask the question I look inside, that's how it feels yeah i don't know man nothing yeah. really sticks out it's like oh my proudest moment i have moments where i'm proud of myself like yep. when i won that fight i oh, was yeah. like oh yeah that's a huge moment of pride but yeah. it's definitely not my proudest moment nothing really comes to the forefront yeah it's a life full of mini proud moments nice. no nothing really <laughs> rises above the you know rest. what's a funny that would be too easy it's like what's your most shameful moment and then be like oh okay i have four, well, I have four. I have four. <laughs> They were repressed. I didn't know them until I did ayahuasca. And it's just funny that you're like, I have four of those. Yeah. And they're <laughs> lugged. They're less frequent, but more emotionally impactful. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to share your most prideful moment, Benjamin? Uh, no. Okay. No, no, no. Nah. Perfect. <laughs> but we're an hour and a half in. Let's go to uh, whatever comments, questions, and news we have from, from Angel. Do you have anything? I don't have a mic. Oh, you don't have a mic. Okay, so... Do you want to just open the doc and maybe read it, or...? Oh, no, just... You can say it out loud, and then I'll repeat it. Okay. Uh, Chick-fil-A has announced that they're not going to be donating to some of the organizations that originally got them branded as a homophobic company, such as the Salvation Army and the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Um, and some people are applauding them, saying, <clears throat> great, now we can eat there. You know, <laughs> people in the community... That's why I stopped eating there. Yeah. But... Well, there are a lot of people that are actually were original supporters of them during their controversy who now feel betrayed. Like uh, Governor Mike Huckabee, who said, um, he said, today at Chick-fil-A, betray loyal customers for money. So some people are upset with this decision. It's, so what we can actually do, I think we should probably have you on some of these mics quiet, and that's totally fine. So we could just, I think, hop into can the... Can repeat that entire thing? No, I'm not. I'm definitely <laughs> not going to repeat that entire thing. <laughs> uh, Angel, maybe in the... Yeah, yeah, maybe in the future try to talk into one of these cameras. Oh, it'll catch it. it we, can, we can boost the volume. Sure. We'll get it. So, any thoughts on Chick-fil-A? <laughs> well, I am one of the people that used to really like Chick-fil-A, and then I stopped eating there because yeah. I didn't even know why. I didn't. I was too young to do any primary research. Yeah. I just heard, like, Chick-fil-A doesn't like gay people, and I was yeah. like, I support gay people, so yeah. I stopped eating there. So, yeah, I don't really have any impact on this because I don't imagine I'll put it back into my diet now because I would have stopped for other reasons. But. Well, I don't know. Perhaps they've had a new change in leadership, but one would imagine that this was not a decision made of moral or ethical concern, rather one made of money, financial concern. And yeah. it just tells you, okay, we've officially hit a point where 
even i mean chick-fil-a probably took a bit of a ding back then when they said this but where it's gotten to be so much that even people who are genuinely homophobic in some way will uh put that to the side in order to do business which just tells you how uh large the group of people who are I guess consumer activists may have become at this point. Well, I also I think I told you this. I know you're skeptical of studies, but uh-huh. I read a I read a survey. Okay, who knows how real it is? But that when they were talking about gay marriage for the right before it got actually put into being legal, no one under eighteen or twenty five or whatever the number was was against gay marriage. Mm-hmm. So it does seem like I think homophobia is aging out, mm-hmm. at least in terms of being such a big part of the population yeah so maybe chick-fil-a is starting to see that in their bottom line that maybe the amount of people that were supporting them was like yeah mm. screw those guys that's shrinking yeah and the amount of people who are going i'm not going to eat there if you guys aren't cool with gay people is growing i think what did they do i forget Angel i don't remember I, that's what i'm saying i i when this happened i didn't hear what they did i just <laughs> heard that they don't like gay people yeah angel that's, do you have any idea problem. yeah it was sort of um a, a chain of events so they donated to organizations that had uh, anti-LGBT views and did not support gay marriage. Um, So Chick-fil-A didn't technically do anything directly homophobic. It was just layers. But that's the Salvation Army was one of them? Yes. I did not realize the Salvation Army was considered Why a homophobic imagine, organization. How do they hold those sort of views? Has the Salvation Army hold those? Sort of that's what I was saying. I don't know. They're all faith-based, so they all just sort of follow the... Um, the Bible? Well, it sounds like it's and and maybe Chick Fil A got it because in my mind it was like Chick Fil A hates gay people. And what it sounds like is Chick Fil A is religious and, and the Bible <laughs> is not particularly kind to gay people. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I had at the my my understanding was they were donating to organizations whose sole purpose was to exclude gay people yeah, from same. society. And what it sounds like they were doing is they were donating to Christian athletes who part of what they do is believe a lot of the bible literally the pope came out and said that he's totally cool with homosexual people right uh this pope did yes which pope i mean this couple, pope. a couple hundred years ago no, no. <laughs> Listen, this, this pope is getting the updates yeah he's, he's, he's getting the new downloads. what's that god <laughs> you know what i'm saying so like there's Maybe been people a change. are cool now there's been a change <laughs> everyone has changed from the holy to the yeah. mortal yeah there's been uh, a shift it's I I feel like what's interesting. If the Pope says that it's okay to be homosexual, does the Salvation Army still think it's not okay to be homosexual? Are they Catholic or are they Protestant? So Catholics believe. But I thought Catholics were the most doctrine. It doesn't trickle down to the Protestants. The the big difference is that the Catholics believe that uh, the Pope is God's representative here on Earth. Yeah. Uh, and you know, each individual may believe a different thing, but that's like the big split between the two of them. Bro, that would be hilarious because they stopped their donation this year, and the Pope just updated. It. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Is, is and salvation, now they're still anti-gay. Is the Salvation Army actually homophobic still? Are they anti-gay marriage still? I don't know because what would it even mean to be anti-gay marriage? Are you lobbying for it to be reversed? Isn't it federally legalized? Well, this is my at question. This, this is my question. In 2019. In what ways is Salvation Army anti-homosexual rights? I don't know, but what this has exposed to me is that a story that is on its surface, you know, Chick-fil-A doesn't like LGBTQ, now they are all cool with it, is it clearly has more layers to it than this. And 
to make any sort of judgment about Chick-fil-A, the Salvation Army, the Christian athletes, or the people who they now fund is kind of a silly thing to do based on a headline and a blurb. Did they start donating to other organizations or do they just donate less now? Who no, yeah, so that's the thing is they're still donating the money. They're just turning it to other um, organizations, primarily organizations based in ending hunger. All right, mm -hmm. that's yeah. good. So at least at least they're still donating the same amount. Well, the the whole PewDiePie thing kind of exposed that the label that these organizations get is malleable, right? So PewDiePie wanted to donate to somebody who was at the ADL or whatever, and he did it for the reasons of trying to uh, say, okay, let's not hate on people. And then there was a big, oh, this is this is a censorious organization. Some people say that it's. That, and that removing the money that he was going to send there is now anti-Semitic. And so all of these adjectives get placed on these organizations. And then you, as a person who funds this massive organization, adopts the adjective that is most commonly yelled about said organization. Yep. It's all it's all ridiculous. That's why everyone should donate to Charity Water at charitywater.org slash charisma. <laughs> well, that's closed now, so you can't do it. No, is it? Yeah, it shut down. Oh, did we hit we our did, goal? We, no, we, we just missed it. Two hundred. So we should say thank you. I don't know that we've officially yeah, yeah, done yeah. this. We raised two hundred ninety-six thousand dollars. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Amazing. guys. We yeah. appreciate it's you very awesome. much. Uh, we were four shy of of the goal of three hundred, but we'll do, we'll get there. We'll get them next year. We'll get them next year. Uh, and I if you if you donated or if you bought a course, Charisma University, now's a great time to plug the course that that enabled Ben and I to donate. Uh, and so, thank you. If you're interested in our course charismaoncommand.com slash university. You can check out Charisma University. It is a 30-day program. I could do this like off the back of my hand. Do it. Should, should I do it? I'm going to prove it right now. Do it. Charisma University, 30-day program on how to master your confidence and charisma. <laughs> <You're tickled. laughs> do it. Do it. I'll, I'll, do I'm going right. to show you how, how locked in I can be. Uh, it's got an action guide. So every single day you take roughly 15 to 20 minutes. You go through that. And then there's a five-minute action guide, which actually allows you to implement the things that you're learning that day. So it's not just theory, but it's something that you're putting into practice, making a more naturally occurring habit, right? That's how you go from just thinking about being confident to actually feeling deep confidence. So if you want to check the course out, I think it's the coolest thing I've ever made with regards to charisma. We've had over 5,000 people go in it, stay in it, uh, and really get a lot out of it. The average rating, I think, right now is a 9 out of 10 on the survey that mm -hmm. we have. Ben is considering even going in to make more content. We'll see if we can do that. But either way, right now, charismaoncommand.com slash university. You can check that course out. Boom. Boom. Did and it. if you don't like it, you can get your money back. And if you don't, oh, I forgot. If you don't like it, <laughs> you can get your money back. So there's no risk. You just try it. It's life-changing. Yeah. Fun fact, I had lunch with someone from Charity Water yesterday. Yeah. They were very excited about our $296,000. Uh -huh. They were asking if we wanted to do other fundraisers in the future. I said, Definitely. I don't know if to charity water, but we will be doing fundraisers. However, a lot of that came from Charisma University profits. So don't peg yourself to 300,000. <laughs> it really depends how the business goes. I actually had this conversation. She's like, really? I was like, yeah, recession hits. People stop doing <laughs> Expect less. So keep joining Charisma University. Keep donating to charity water. If you like people drinking clean water. <laughs> that was hilarious. It's so true. I was like, yeah, we're a very, we're a very small company we're not ge we haven't been around for a hundred years yeah. you know what i mean so it's like yeah we'll keep donating but because she asked we did a fundraiser in 2018 we raised 18 grand i think mm -hmm. 2019 296 grand hell yeah she's like what happened i was like well we, the youtube channel did well core sales are up don't expect it to necessarily have the same multiplicative effect in 2020 but only if benji were running the business oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but that was Chick-fil-A, right? Something about Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Something about charisma. Now I just won't eat it because it's bad for you. 
I want to talk about confidence. What do you want to talk about? I would like to hear how, what makes confidence? What contributes to one feeling confident? To consistently feeling confident. As in, I feel like myself, I'm always been a very naturally confident person. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it served me extremely well. It's like pushed me to do things that other people wouldn't do. Uh, forced me to learn and make mistakes and, and then but have those mistakes not impact my confidence levels yeah I've seen people from my own family same environment same upbringing be the opposite and it deter them from making um, decisions that I feel like they, they should make mm-hmm. and I feel like if I could contribute uh, my happiness and where I am to, to something I would put it down to apart from you guys uh, confidence Mm-hmm. And I am still confused at where that comes from. You're saying, why are you confident, but not necessarily all your siblings? All, my, all most people. I same think neighborhood, most same people, parents. Yeah, I think most people are not confident people. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's such a incredible skill, which I know you teach. Yeah. Well, uh, here's what's here's the truth. I don't think they've tried. I mean, you, I know all of your. You've met all of his siblings. I've met mm-hmm. all of them except one. None of them have asked me for access to the course. None of them have expressed to me that confidence is something that they'd like to improve. Not mm-hmm. once. Mm-hmm. And to improve in any arena, one first needs a desire mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, to do so. And I would actually say, when we were talking about the subconscious conscious, not that it's tied to trauma for them, but I think that potentially their identity is as someone who is insecure. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of working on their confidence to them, they won't put any effort into it because it would be an impossibility to them to become confident because yes. that would cut to the core of who they are. Who am I right. if I'm not insecure? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing would be there's no desire. And it sounds like what you have a desire for them to feel the desire to become confident so that their life may improve. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yes. But I've also I've heard them say, I want, I would love to be more confident, but obviously not actually feel that it's going to serve in that So when you wanted to be more confident, you showed up to a class that Ben and I, because you were on a forum Mm -hmm. that was about becoming more confident, and you you showed up, you Mm -hmm. came there, you were actively searching. Uh, This is the thing that I've, it's been one of the big struggles the last three to five years of my life and the thing that I've come to accept, which is whatever starts that initial spark in someone is you can't, give it to anyone right like i've wanted my you know mom would you read this book like read yeah. the four hour work week, mom it's so good like you could see it i can't get people to care where they don't care once they express an interest in it mm-hmm. i can have a path in a 30-day program and you do these sorts of things and take these steps yeah. but i you know how many people i've given personal power to to or charisma university to or whatever it is yeah. and if they haven't expressed the interest they won't go through it they will see no results so that's the one thing is that they may say they would like to be confident, but what in their behavior shows you that they have any mm-hmm. interest? Well, they- this is something I've seen in the world. I've, there's a difference between a wish and a desire, mm-hmm. right? I've seen people who are in very bad physical health, right? Very overweight. And they say, they'll say, oh, I really want to get in shape. But they will not change their diet or exercise more. So I would say that they wish to magically be in shape. Mm-hmm. But if they had the desire to be healthier... You would see it manifesting because they'd be reading nutrition books or hiring a nutritionist or going to the gym every day or asking the healthy people in their lives what to do and then doing it. Or even wrong things like getting those ab bands or yeah. like they, they wouldn't be moving in a direction with regards to that goal. Mm-hmm. And so I actually don't think that – I think the people in your life who say that they want to be more confident but don't ask you how to do it and then take your advice and 
take action on it don't actually desire to be more confident. They, they might wish, wish that they do mm-hmm. in yeah. an effortless way, but not in any way where they're willing to spend even a half hour a day on it. You know what I mean? And they will spend a half hour a day on something, yeah. whether it's their Instagram or their fashion or whatever it might be. Yes. You know, those people are spending time somewhere besides, you know, the minimum wealth creation to get food. Mm-hmm. So that's the stuff they actually want. I see. You this know what is I mean? why Ben gave some of those foundational books and they what they had in common was that they disrupted the fi- fixed mindset idea. I think that the degree to which people feel that there's that they're fixed in any area is just limits any sort of movement to try to get Mm-hmm. better so that's why all of the first books that ben talked about were like i don't even subscribe to this necessarily anymore but it busted the story the narrative busted me out of the fixed mindset thing mm-hmm. and so two things can do that one great stories oftentimes in books and movies and that sort of stuff and two suffering lots and lots of suffering yeah. <laughs> will can take people out of a fixed yeah. mindset uh and so what i try to do is every now and then just recommend a book and see if they've had enough suffering to pick the book up and yeah. actually read it and find people right after breakups where they're really suffering and be like, yeah. now take the book. <laughs> <laughs> now you'll actually read it. <laughs> There's a chance. But, so, uh, no, and I think, sorry, to get to your, oh, sorry, you can go first. I was, I was trying to clarify it a little bit. Um, you, you would say if someone desired and, and, and actually deep down wanted and was looking to be more confident, it's quite a simple process. So yeah, I was gonna get to your, so if you did want to be confident and you were willing to work on it, I think there's, well, you you actually broke this down into three different types of confidence, right? You wanna talk about that? I don't know which ones you're talking about. So, well, I was gonna say is there's two, but I don't remember if there's a third or not. There's this general underlying confidence mm. that kind oh, of I transitions yeah, yeah. to every area of your life. And then there is specific confidence to different yeah, yeah, settings, yeah. right? So you can be, the most confident person in the world, but when you get up on a stage, be nervous. Or funny enough, you can be someone who's very uncomfortable most of the time, but gets up on a stage or in an interview and is very confident. So I think there's two different types of confidence and you work on them. So I, I know what you're talking about. So I, I broke it down, self-love, self-esteem, and confidence. Okay. But go ahead. No, and so I think you build them differently. So for instance, I think the core I am confident in most situations comes from identity work. It comes from affirmations and incantations no matter what happens i'm going to be okay Mm -hmm. you know what i mean it comes from putting yourself into a variety of situations where somebody where you do feel nervous but you work on your courage muscle Mm because i think confidence is something you feel but courage is a muscle you can work out Mm -hmm. and so i think that when you build up your courage muscle by doing a lot of things that make you uncomfortable no matter what they are public speaking approaching someone you want to talk to you're scared of heights and so you go on a roller coaster you get very good at being courageous in the face of fear, which is transitional to a variety of areas. And when you combine working on your courage muscle with the incantations and confidence Identity. meditations, guided meditations, Charlie has one on simple habit, that that helps you with your core self-esteem, we'll call it. Can mm-hmm. you give me another, uh, so no matter what happens, everyone, everything's going to be okay? Like mm-hmm. I know you hold that and that gives you a lot of identity confidence. Do you have another one? That was my favorite one. Yeah. That's kind of my favorite. Exposure to self esteem has a number. I mean, no one is coming to save me. Is a big one. Um, six six pillars. Has, yeah. Well, there's another one. This is a little bit into the self love. It, it's relying on oneself in order to like no one is coming. Which which part of the reason that people lack confidence that we talked about Alfred Adler is because it does get them something. Yes. And so not being confident means that you're over here asking the question of how can I make my siblings confident? And they're not here to do that, right? Yeah. Like you're the one who picks up in some cases for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so saying no one is coming to save me, weirdly enough, 
it builds self-esteem, which translates then to confidence because you know, okay, I've got to go to me in order to do this. Yeah, on the self-love front, there's a book I really like, um, Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It. And it, it's worth listening to. I actually like it as an audiobook because it's it's got a bit of the hypnosis effect because you have to hear it. But it's about telling yourself that you love yourself over and over and over again every single day. And I, when I was doing it, felt a big difference yeah. in in how that made me feel about myself. Uh, so we can bucket that in the self-love area. And then you have the core confidence, which I think happens by stretching your courage muscle and work, doing affirmations. But then you also have situational confidence, which basically you can build just through exposure therapy, mm. which is to say, if you're scared of public speaking and you join Toastmasters and you have to give a public speech all the time, by the end of it, if that's all you did in this one area, you would suddenly have more confidence. Yep. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think if someone desired to be confident, I would say work on self-love. And my favorite personal book is Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It. Work on your confidence through affirmations and incantations and confidence meditations and work on your courage muscle. And then if there's a specific area that you're uncomfortable, go do that thing a hundred times in low stakes environments. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if you're scared of interviewing, let's say if interviewing makes you nervous, don't just get an interview for your dream job. Go get a hundred interviews. Right. I mean, I literally did a hundred interviews when I was coming out of college. By the time I got to like the 10th one, I was so relaxed. I was right. just sitting in there. My heartbeat wasn't elevated because I was just burned out from, you can't worry about something if you keep doing it. So for the, the last 90 of them, as chill as can be, I'm sure in the first one I was nervous. Mm. And so, yeah, I think that's, those are the three areas that I would attack confidence from. Mm -hmm. Great answer. Thanks. Yeah. I thought about it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Muy bien. What else we got? As you guys probably know, Disney Plus launched and yeah. had a big launch with millions of people that subscribed uh, on the first day. Well, already just about a week later, thousands of accounts have been uh, hacked into. <laughs> oh, no. And what's interesting is because Disney Plus has an option to pay for the year as opposed to monthly, um, those some of those accounts are being sold on the deep web. So you could buy passwords. Oh, wow. And I just thought that was interesting. And Disney has claimed that there's been no security breaches whatsoever. But I don't know how that's possible that there's no security breach yet. Thousands of their accounts have been hacked into and are being sold. Well, wouldn't you just change your password if someone... That's what I was thinking. Like, that's the worst thing to buy. Oh, yeah, someone bought my Disney Plus subscription. All right, I just changed my password. That's useless now. Yeah. Isn't it also 100 bucks? I don't know. It's like $10 a month or something, I thought. It was yeah, yeah dude, on the dark, months. On the dark web. Something. It's five dollars a month, dude. <laughs> yeah. All you have to do is download Tor, get on the dark web, dodge through all the kitty porn. <laughs> you can get a deep discount on five Disney Plus. Five bucks a month. That's such With a... someone else's recommendations there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think they're locking them out because I've seen people say they couldn't cancel, so they had to just uh, cancel their credit card. Interesting. I have no idea if it was hacked or if not. The big thing that I thought with Disney Plus is like. This company runs the world. In mm -hmm. in, I didn't because I don't watch a lot of mainstream TV or anything, so I didn't really see ads except on the sides of buses that have driven yeah. past. But I heard that they sold ten million in a day, which is insane. Wow! Like, where's their? How do they reach that? Do audience? that math. It's roughly a hundred million dollars a month. That's a new billion dollar revenue stream that they just turned on. <laughs> like, how, what did they do to turn that on? Just Bulk well, they, ads. no, they took all of their stuff off of Netflix. Yeah. So I you see. used to be able to watch the stuff on Netflix, and then yep. all of a sudden you can't. Can't. And so everyone's aware of it. When yeah. I first heard it, I was like, oh, I'm not going to get just the Disney thing. And I was like, wait a second. Disney, Pixar, Star Wars, Marvel. Now they just bought 20th Century Fox. It's like everything that you want yeah. 
except for Stranger Things, <laughs> is officially on Disney Plus, and Game of Thrones is over. Uh, it's just incredible. They own the entire world. And then if you look at this, the channels that they own, it's like ESPN. Like, yeah, yeah. They got, they got everything. What did they buy Marvel for? That has got to be one of the best purchases. It was, well, I think they waited till it was fairly well proven. If you look at when they purchased, I Marvel. thought it was struggling. I think it was set at the Marvel. No, I think Marvel sold Spider-Man to Sony way back in the day. But by the time, I'm pretty sure that by the time Disney purchased Marvel, it was several billion dollars. Four billion. Yeah, four. Mm-hmm. Four billion. And that was roughly, I think, what they spent for Star Wars. But honestly, it's worth more than four billion now. It's got to be worth more than four billion dollars now. Oh it's, yeah, they've had the, a bunch of billion dollars. Yeah, movies. yeah, it's the biggest thing in the world. Uh, I think that might be one of the most valuable things apart from money that they do too because they've got 10 million emails mm-hmm. and they got 10 million Chrome push notifications. Yeah. Like they can now reach that audience which was like, oh, we watch your movies to like we have direct access So to that you. was what I thought as someone who only knows how to market directly to people and has never built a brand. I was like, how is Disney going to get t- people to sign up for this? This is going to be a dud. And then I heard 10 million people signed yeah. up, which is one, incredible. That's That they got people without, it seems like, any direct line of access to like, Click this link in your email. Right. But now they have emails. Right. They have if they didn't have them before, they got emails. They got your TV. You're watching Disney Plus. They get to put ads on ads that. On they get that. to advertise their parks. They get to advertise well, anything they want. It is interesting because marketers, especially like direct response marketers, email marketers, they they tend to be very negative about branding. They say branding's stupid. Yeah. You want to do YouTube ads. You want to do Facebook ads. You mm-hmm. want to do these direct things. But all the biggest companies in the world don't do that, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, the biggest direct response marketing company in the world is going to be so much smaller than the one that goes with branding. Right? Than the so brand, I feel yeah. like there's a tipping point where all of a sudden, once you have a certain size, it's like, forget email marketing. Mm-hmm. That's You don't have to worry about that. Everyone knows who Disney is. Mm-hmm. You don't need to email them. Be like, hey, I'm the founder of Disney. <laughs> or I'm the CEO of Disney. Did you know we have Marvel? It's like, yeah, I did. For 24 hours only. Yeah. Yeah. How did yeah, you he, find out about Disney online? Plus, whatever it's, it's a great called. question. I heard about it, yeah, I think it all just, the time. Yeah, people. Th- it's branding. Oh, or oh, articles, wow. people. Like it, well, dude, the, buses, you, the buses you, on the street bus. have signs about it. I saw it. Reddit was how I saw it, which was, which was actually critical Which is free marketing. It. It was, yes, which is free, free marketing. marketing. Yeah, it's fascinating. So it's, it's funny. You, you, it's so pre- prevalent because I'm in Australia too. It's not as prevalent. I didn't hear about it until I saw it on a U.S. website. But you were like, I've heard about it from so many people. Mm-hmm. That, and actually, I bought a smoothie the other day, and he said, I have a Disney card. I do have a Disney stamp on my card. It's like, oh, do you have the Disney Plus? I'm like, no, I don't. They also, and this is, I'm not the first one to make this observation, but there is a battle now for platforms. There was a, our buddy, Scott, worked at single platform. And he's like, there's going to be one login for the whole internet, you know? <laughs> and there was a time when people thought it was all consolidating. And clearly, it, it still may. But what these big companies have realized is, Owning the platform is how you rule the world. If you're the place, and this apparently exists in China. Were you guys on WeChat while you were over there? I've never been to China. I have been on WeChat. Which is just like, it's the portal to the yeah. entire internet. U- Uber's in there. Yeah. eBay's in there. Or mm-hmm. like their versions of this. Did you go to shop China? In there. I do supply. I talk to suppliers with it. Got it. Um, but yeah, everything you need. You, like you have Facebook is in WeChat. Mm-hmm. WhatsApp is in WeChat. Yeah. Uber is in WeChat. All these things are, you open you open your phone, you open WeChat. Yeah. And so there's this crazy battle that's going on to own the platform. And so obviously Disney was making good money, I'm sure, from Netflix. But like, we can't let you run that platform. No, no way. We have to have that. And now there's going to be a hardware rush when all these self-driving cars come out. Because 
the platform that you own on television is a subscription software. It's not like it's built into the TV necessarily, though you could get Apple TV technically. But once you get into your vehicle, your Tesla or your Google car or your whatever, all of a sudden that's the new platform where mm -hmm. you spend three hours a day and they control all the ads. And it's self-driving. So by the way, you could watch TV. You're just and, kicking oh, yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, you want to be on Tesla's car? And so it's, it's crazy how... I the did, revenue model changes totally because yep, you yeah. can be like, all right, we'll be a Disney exclusive company. Did you, you give us this much can money? Can you imagine getting the car to the point where you give away a Tesla? Because now you have that much advertising power over somebody. Fascinating. I'm not saying it's... Say that again? Could you imagine? I mean, Facebook is free. Yes. Facebook has servers and this and that. It's got an incredible product suite, yeah. which we but all get for free yeah, because we are being advertised to. Exactly. Yeah. You're the... You're the product. Tesla. And the advertisers are the customers. <laughs> Tesla yeah. is going to have a captive audience or take oh, whatever I car see. company that is sitting in there. Yeah. And could you just imagine getting to the point where they get the cost down low enough and they figure out how to convert high enough that it's worth it to spend whatever thousand dollars a year it takes to drive yeah. this person around because you're just selling, selling, selling the well, whole time. Or at the That's very insane. least, what will it seems like will happen is the cost of the car will be offset. Subsidized, by the, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. will be subsidized in some way. That's more likely by the amount of advertising that's going to be able to happen there yeah, and by sure. owning the platform. And like, it's like the new uh, sound devices like Alexa and Google Home. They just sell at a loss. You're They're 15 like, let me yeah. get the market captive you're, on our hardware. Yeah, yeah, man, you're 15 minutes away from the house. Would you like your self-driving Postmates to arrive at the same time? Like, sure. Like, there's mm. money for, you know, there's money. It's crazy that, mm. uh, yeah, it's just a battle for, like, where you hang out, spend time, and who mm -hmm. controls that your space. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, that's the thing people want to control is your attention. Mm -hmm. And weirdly enough, I, I never would have predicted this. Content is so powerful. Like HBO, I don't know how many subscriptions they got, but got a new, a completely new life from Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. One piece of content that, and they're going to try to milk it. They're going to do Game of Thrones. Spinoffs. Spin Spinoffs, yeah. spin Like Disney now has five or six major, major brands. But if you took away Marvel and Star Wars, I don't think Disney Plus isn't anywhere near the titan that it is no. right like they had to purchase these massive content things yeah, mickey mouse mickey mouse that's fair that's fair my generation loves him <laughs> doesn't disney run like the u.s law to some extent don't Pat, we, don't we re copyright don't we rewrite the copyright law to make sure that disney doesn't lose the copyright on so mickey i mouse? hear uh, so i hear and isn't yeah. walt disney frozen in a frozen <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i'm pretty sure it was also a nazi <laughs> So we have a Nazi frozen somewhere in Disneyland. One of those statements of the three is true. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe none. Uh, but no, just uh, it's interesting as a content creator where for a long time I was like, oh, no, YouTube has all the power. And what I didn't realize is that it's there is a degree to which if the 20 most powerful creators got together. Dude, Howard Stern did this. Yes. He started. One, one person left radio for SiriusXM, mm -hmm. and he is the lifeblood mm -hmm. of SiriusXM. Yeah. I know so many adults who, it's funny I say adults. I know so many people older than us who switched to SiriusXM just because they wanted to listen to Howard Stern. My dad. That's one content creator. Yeah. Can make a whole platform viable. And so I haven't I haven't really thought about that because it was always just it seemed like that was such a dumb move when I heard they were paying Howard Stern a hundred million dollars for this. Yeah. But their company it arguably only exists today because of that <laughs> yeah, yeah, decision. For sure. And I can't think, and I'm sure there's been one, of a bad content acquisition that has happened. For, I mean, the big ones, you know, Disney buying Marvel or Star Wars or all of these other things. Uh, provided that you continue to make solid content in that universe. You know, I don't know who owns Harry Potter at this yeah. point. They kind of ruined the last movie. But, like, if you just do a, 
a solid job yeah, with yeah. it. It just gets more valuable. What we're saying is we're for sale, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you want content. We're looking at 100x multiples. <laughs> it's going to be incredible. What did I say earlier? We're going to continue on our growth rate forever. <laughs> It's. It, I don't know. I don't. I don't have a takeaway from that. But it is fascinating. I did not realize the power that content holds. That yeah. J.K. Mm-hmm. Rowling created a billion dollars out of her imagination on a napkin, allegedly on a napkin. Like that's that's just wild. Was the napkin? That's where she wrote her first notes for Harry Potter. Her first notes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Good. let's do that. What do you guys say? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> billion just dollar napkin. Next event. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on. That's it for current events. You guys want the questions? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah let's yeah. do it. Okay, so this question comes from Ozzy. People didn't, Ozzy didn't realize he was going to get my take, Charlie's take, and Benji's wow. take. Wow, lucky boy. Uh, Ozzy says, hearing you guys talk about relationships and the dynamics behind them is really interesting. It seemed like Ben didn't really agree with Charlie's view on relationships, so I was wondering if you guys can elaborate on where you guys disagree on how relationships should be handled and what to expect from your partner. Do you disagree with me? I feel like we feel. Like, I feel like we have the exact same beliefs. That was actually my when I was listening to the question. I went, Did Angel, I? any any idea Did, what this may be referring to? I actually wasn't sure, be, but I just took it because I thought you guys might. Perhaps. Where do we disagree? Well, the only thing I was thinking is that you still imagined long term having a uh, a person, a partner that you. Sure. Like two, I think two things maybe we disagree on. I don't plan on going celibate, and my subconscious is still very in love with the idea of having a life partner. Yeah. So maybe it's that. I, that that would be my one guess. So why do you why do you disagree with me? I watched a lot of Disney Plus. <laughs> I had a lot of hypnosis. <laughs> Seriously, that's it. It's kind of like the free will thing. Like, why do I? I why do I, I? I think it's like an alcoholic always wants a drink. Mm-hmm. You know, I've heard if, you, if you're an alcoholic, you haven't drank for twenty years, and you walk past a bar, there's still some part of you that's pulled to it. Yeah. Screw up, hyper romantic. I loved movies and romantic movies and the idea of finding someone is super appealing to me having someone that will love you forever love you unconditionally always take care of you i had great parents is the other thing you know so a lot of ways like my parents are still married and i had that role model and also i had my parents love and so then obviously when you move to an adult it's like oh it'd be really cool to mm-hmm. have that someone that was always as loving and supportive as my parents were to each other and to me it's not that i think it's a thing I see the divorce rates. I get that relationships tend not to last, but still, my subconscious is still in there. Yeah, it's still in there. What were your favorite movies as a kid? How old? Let's start young and then we can move up. So like say five. I think it was the Robin Hood cartoon okay. where, he's Marian, fox, yeah. where he's a fox. Where he's a fox. Aladdin. Hercules was a huge one, yep. which I loved. Makes sense. Which, he, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Spent my life trying to become Hercules. <laughs> which, you know, he's got Meg. Yeah. who he gives up godhood for. Yeah. And I was a little kid being like, that's my hero. Yeah. He, by the way, gives up godhood and all of his family, <laughs> yeah. his parents and everyone. Wow. Yeah, in hindsight, it's like a pretty aggressive decision. <laughs> <laughs> um, but those are probably the three that come to mind. So right? you said Robin Hood, Hercules, and what was the last? Aladdin. Aladdin. Aladdin, which his entire purpose in that entire movie is to get the girl. Yeah. Like that's, the, that's what drives all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also it- love the Ninja Turtles. Not a lot of romance there, but I got no. a shout out. I think that's why I started karate when I was five. <laughs> and, and surfing yelling cowabunga, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, see, you can see some Ninja Turtle influence as well, actually. You can. I really yeah. do think so. They, there was, I don't know what book or 
thing seminar that I went to, but it asks you these questions. What's your favorite movie? Who was your favorite movie character? What was it that you admired most? And you get mm. some really interesting insights because that's when all the foundational grid work is being laid in your brain. Sure. And whatever clicks with you, either it, it clicked with you because it created something or because it resonated with, with something that was already mm. going on in your life and it just really reinforced it. Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, you can learn a lot about people if from inquiring into like early media influences yeah. but if you if you disagree with Ben's <laughs> if you disagree with don't do that we're gonna That's get copyright. Do you want to um, I don't think I was on pitch <laughs> I don't think we have to worry um do you disagree with Ben's take and if you do is it because you watch different movies <laughs> do I disagree what with you <laughs> yeah, I want to see uh, American History X <laughs> Shawshank Redemption <laughs> Monkship at age five yeah yeah at age five <laughs> loved those I I may I think Ben has a stronger belief in the one than I do mm-hmm. uh, and I'm sure I have some of it that's built in there and, I, and if you listen to the songs that I sing on the guitar they all oh my god they, they go heavy into that disgusting uh, but I, yeah, I, I don't, oh man, I, I think part of it, here's the difference. Again, we come back to the same thing. Ben just thinks farther into the future. Like I don't have any idea post 35. I really don't. And Ben has been planning for this. <laughs> and, I'm ready. And so perhaps Ben and I are exactly the same, but I'm just not close enough to terminal age at this point where I go, I got to make this <laughs> Mentally. <call." laughs> uh, so, but I don't, yeah, it, it, the idea of the one for me, I do not. I'd at least consciously stress or think about what will become of me when I'm 45 if I'm single. Yeah, too far away. Yeah, too far away. Way too far away to even be concerned with. Whereas I think you have that thought. So maybe we agree. It's only 13 years away. Yeah. He says, of course. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. yeah. 13 years away. (laughs) We may agree. We may find out that as I I approach that age that – you become enlightened. That my beliefs are – You know, I like those movies too. (laughs) And so they're in there as well. So I actually don't think we are, our, our disagreements are as stark as they may have sounded. We'll see, though. Life will bear this out. We'll see who gets who gets taken and who stays a single guy. <laughs> I think we know. Hercules gets met. <laughs> we know. All right. What else do we have? No romance in Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> the next question comes from Tariq. Uh, he asks, I'm a senior in my undergraduate year and beginning to apply to graduate schools. As of lately, I've been experiencing imposter syndrome and not feeling up to standard, although I'm meeting all the requirements. Do you guys have any advice to get over this feeling? And so he's, he's going into graduate school? Yes. And he's feeling imposter syndrome even though he meets the requirements for one to enter into this graduate school. Right. Uh, yeah, so I talked about this in the imposter syndrome video. So the number one thing, I'm, there's no chance I'm going to say it as eloquently because that week I thought about it for a week and prepared my statements. Uh, what are the big things for imposter syndrome? So the first is to do an honest assessment, and this may not be the case for you, but ask yourself, am I an imposter in this particular scenario? Uh, some people don't ask them that, themselves that question frequently enough. Some people ask themselves that question too much. Uh, and then I think, what were some of the other things that I discussed? The idea that uh, credibility and ability are not the same and that one ought to focus more on ability. So credibility may come from having the role or the resume that says they can do this, and ability comes from a track record of achievement. Mm -hmm. And so you ask yourself, what are the abilities that are going to be required of me in grad school? Do I have the ability to deliver on these said things? I don't know what what it is that you're studying. Uh, 
and rest on your abilities rather than on your credibility because if you're looking at credibility well that person worked in the industry for a couple of years they did this they did that it, ability is, is ultimately where you want to uh, think about imposter syndrome from and then watch that video that's kind of what I go into in a, a bit more depth there anything to add no, I did have imposter syndrome when we first started this business. My solution to a lot of the stuff is always the same. It's just throw yourself in it headlong. We mm -hmm. were coaching people and I was like, oh, who am I to coach? Maybe there's someone else who should be better at coaching this. So I started coaching for free. Those people got great results. Mm -hmm. So then I started charging a small amount of money. Those people were very happy to pay me. So then I started charging more money. Those people were still very happy to pay me. And so I got through my imposter syndrome, I guess, by boiling the frog and, and just getting feedback along the way that it was great and that fits into the structure that i kind of describe which is like i don't have a track record of ability so you started for free mm -hmm. you, you then you go okay i can do this for free well and then you said okay i can do it for cheap well and and then you were not worried about oh, i didn't graduate from yeah, by the, the time i got school. by the time i got to the 20th client and they're like well what makes you a what makes you a good coach did what you study this you? in college or yeah i go dude i have 19 people that would rave about me uh -huh. so then there's no imposter syndrome mm -hmm. it's just like yeah i just have to look at my track record i just yeah. have to look at my portfolio of clients so, i'm gonna change your life along the way did you did you sit with the imposter syndrome or did the small steps remove the imposter syndrome did i sit with it at the end no no along the way so along your journey from imposter syndrome to no imposter syndrome yeah you said you took small gradual steps yeah yeah oh i felt weird that. i felt weird on my first call even though it was free yeah yeah because i'd not ever coached anyone before right mm. so i i was like I mean, you could probably see it in my conviction. Like, yeah, I think this will help you. You know? I was like, listen, do these things. I yeah. guarantee it's going to work yeah. out. I'm like, I did these things and it worked out for me. Yeah. That's the other thing. Just be honest with your set expectations and be honest with your delivery. Right? So the first time I coached, I think I probably said something like, this is what I did in that situation because that's true and it helped me. And then that person did the same thing and it helped. And by the 20th person, I'm like, 19 people and I have done this mm -hmm. and it worked for everyone. Mm -hmm. So I'm very confident this will work for you. But yeah, on the first free one, I'm, I'm positive that I felt a little bit like, who am I to be giving advice to someone? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it was free. So, so I felt comfortable doing it anyway. Right. Yeah. And importantly, if it had gone poorly, you probably wouldn't have taken the second step to charging. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I would have, I would have gone, okay, maybe let's try someone else for free and yeah. see if that works out differently. Maybe it was that person or maybe it's mm -hmm. me. Let's figure out the common denominator. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I wouldn't have just gone, oh, I coached that person into oblivion. Yeah. Let's charge $100 an hour. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, so that's, that's I think, really helpful example. What else? Next one comes from Fiddy. Um, what Fiddy? Fiddy? F-I-T-T-I. Fiddy Cent. Fiddy? Sick. I love your music. And your movie. What advice would you give to someone pushing 40... Who feels like they wasted their life no education no passion no decent job opportunities just a feeling of being lost in life well uh the same i don't know if this is appropriate i'm not 40 and so any advice that i give to people you know if you ask me what should i do with my child if you like this these are going to be guesses guesses extrapolations based on principles so the advice that i would give to you at 40 is the same advice that i would give to you at 60 same advice that I would give to you at 20, provided that one's circumstances are similar. Uh, and it sounds like what you're saying, I'm 40 and I haven't done the things that get most people started at age 20. What should I do? And what I would say is do the things that I would advise most 20-year-olds to do, yeah. which is go to those core books that we've done, start at the beginning. And yeah, you're 40. Uh, 
you got there. Here you are now. You still, and you're saying you haven't started the race. Well, where should I start the race? At the beginning. Mm-hmm. So nothing particularly different in these cases. Uh, read those books that I've talked about. I really do need to make a reading list of foundational books. Put them into practice. Uh, take your time. And what might have been someone else's 25 to 35 in terms of personal development could be your 40 to 50. And that's that's A-OK. Yeah, I mean, the good news is, especially your advice would, mm-hmm. would not be for anyone 18 or 40 to go to Harvard or to do this or no. that. It's it's to read the four-hour work week if you want to start a business. Mm-hmm. It's it's not anything you've missed out on. Yes. So you are not disadvantaged by I'm being I'm glad 40. you said that because he said no education. And I think so, it's so easy to conflate education with schooling. Uh, and there's that's the best Mark Twain quote. Mark Twain quote <laughs> is, uh, I never let school my education or I never let my schooling get in the way of my education. Mm, And yeah, don't don't let your lack of schooling get in the way of your future education. So Mm. uh, I truly believe outside of the foundational read, write, and arithmetic things that I learned in school, most of the learning that is most useful to to me today came from college and beyond and self-study. So take these self-study books. There's plenty of places on the internet. If you want to learn charisma, go to our channel. If you want to learn business, start four-hour work week, but there's other places to go for that. Uh, and do it. I probably the biggest thing stopping this person yeah. is feeling like it's too late. Yep, uh, it's too late for me. I can't, couldn't possibly start. Yeah, the best thing you can do is think of all the things you wish you had done at 22, and then do them this year, mm-hmm. with the possible exception of going to college, because it may that may or may not. Well, you wouldn't, have, you wouldn't tell a 22 year old to do that. Correct. Correct. I'm just saying a lot of people, again, think that the school is where you get educated. And I'm telling you in terms of these these new paradigm things, personal development, uh, starting a business, that is not where one goes to do those sorts of things. I would also add, because I feel like that's that's um, helpful to get them the results based where they want to go. But I, I would also add in terms of this question and that first question, people going to a graduate school, I feel like if if everyone else started at 40, this uh what's her name fitty 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 would be less stressed out and less Mm -hmm. hard on herself and she'd be like or himself or himself we don't know we don't know fitty but (laughs) (laughs) it's 2019 um and if like if you you if you were where your expectations led you to be you would be happy in this moment changing nothing and I think it's important that, yes, do the work and do the books and do all this stuff to get yourself there, even in, in school. But the problem is um, thinking about comparing yourself to others and thinking about what other people think about me, looking at me and where I am in this graduate school and not being good enough. I think that goes back to our first initial conversation. It's helpful to care less about what people think of you and realize they don't actually care but they're on their own journeys, caring mostly about themselves as if you're caring about yourself right now. Yeah, great mm-hmm. point. True that. Great point. Good luck, Fiddy. Anything else? Yeah, we've got one last question. Uh, it comes from Kieran. Hey, guys, love the show. I'm looking for some advice on a situation. I'm currently at boarding school aged 17, and it is a quite socially Darwinistic place. There's one particular guy who constantly undermines me, almost to the point of bullying, and is the typical jock or alpha male type. How should I deal with or respond to this? I wish people, I wish would, I leave more, I wish yeah. people would leave more details. I don't understand what that means. I read this question in advance. I don't know what this means when a bully is undermining him. Yeah. So 
I'm gonna I'm gonna pause on this one. If you write in in the future, uh, it's Kieran. If you write in, we'll we'll get back to you. But give us the more context and the more specifics. Yeah, I was at lunch and yeah. I said this joke and they said this versus I was at my locker and they punched me in the face. Yeah. Like I don't understand. <laughs> There's a lot of bullying. Yeah. There's a lot of bullying. Or I was online and they photoshopped this photo and they sent mm-hmm. it around. The mm-hmm. I don't I can't answer this question because I don't know what the, the answer is going to be. Very very different depending yeah. on what's happening. So. If you'll give us more context, and if you're thinking of writing in, give us a bit more context specifics, and that really does help us to give a good answer. So pause on that one for now. Is that it? Yeah. All right. Thank you to our guest, Benji. Ben. Thank oh, you Wilson. so much yes. for being here. <laughs> Appreciate it. Appreciate what you said to me earlier. Oh, there yeah. You was, me, dog. <laughs> I wanted I to ask for. one last question. Ooh. Uh, so we are kicking around some names for the podcast. It's been the Ben and Charlie podcast, and- that may be its name forever. Uh, but we were throwing around a couple of names that we felt wouldn't hem us in because we really do enjoy the Well, free. let's not say we. I, I hated most of these names. Okay. <laughs> ben, th- well, there, here's the truth. Creating a name that is both interesting and open-ended is they're, they're counter to one another. Yeah, we don't want to be called the Reacting to Political News podcast because yes. we want to be able to talk about other things other that aren't things. political news. So here's a couple of names. If you don't like any of them, suggest a different one that that we kicked around and Ben hates. <laughs> uh, so the first one, and all of these would be with Ben and Charlie. So the first one, just for fun, with Ben, ben and Charlie, with Charlie and Ben, whatever order. Uh, here's another one. Nothing special. <laughs> with Charlie and Ben. Jesus. Here's a good one. Here's a good one. Engage. With Ben and Charlie. <laughs> I like this one. Brain tingles. <laughs> I got asked to vote on these. I was just like. Uh, okay, this is one for longtime listeners. F transitions with Ben and Charlie. The know nothings. And that's a throwback to Socrates. You know, the only thing I know is that I know nothing. Uh, with Ben and Charlie. And then, yeah, that's it. Like transition is to me. What's that? The transitioners. The transitioners. Yeah. Transitions. The transistors. Transition. So anyway, if you guys if you guys think these all suck, mm. let me know. If you guys think that none of them suck, let me know. And if you have a different one that that allow that describes what we've been doing uh, in a way that doesn't hem us in, let us know. In and the if comments. you guys like to have Benji on the show, let us know. We'll get him an apartment okay. out here. Sure, it could be we'll the Ben and Benji podcast. <laughs> Uh, you know, his girlfriend will have to move out here too, I guess. But if that's what the audience wants, we will make it happen. Not much we can do about that. Perfect. <laughs> Just for fun with Ben and Benji. Got it. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks. Have a wonderful day. We'll thanks see you next watching. time. Thanks, guys. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.